Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of The Sea Report, coming to you live on this Wednesday, July 20th, 2021. I'm your host, Mr. C, and I hope everyone's... Wait, wait, today is not Wednesday? Jeebus, <laughs> today is Tuesday. How is it that I'm running a few minutes behind and I'm still a day ahead? Okay, hold on, guys. I'm adjusting something real quick. Trying to see. I know, guys. You probably you probably noticed already. <laughs> My voice. Oh no, not the voice thing again. Hold on. Uh, let me make some adjustments real quick for you guys. This way, I'm not like driving you crazy with uh, the deepness of my voice. No, no. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> that should do it. That should do it. Okay. How y'all doing, ladies and gentlemen? Sorry, I'm running a little bit late today. I was only, what, about four minutes late, maybe? Four minutes late? Yeah. Hope y'all are doing good. <laughs> It'll it'll just in a minute. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Okay. All right. So, all right. Well, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Back to regular old Mr. C. Great to have you all with us today again as we do another. Uh, hey, Doreen Mark over there in uh, Twitter, uh, Twitch, Twitter, Twitch land. How are you doing this evening? We also got uh, the chat starting to fill up over at the great old Foxhole app. As I was saying, welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. God, you know, I tell myself, make sure you get the dates right, Mr. C. Make sure you get the days right, Mr. C. But okay, well, we're all on the same page now, so that's just good and dandy. And again, I hope everyone is... <laughs> that is a good question, Aurelius Locke. <laughs> you know, Aurelius, I actually have a theory about the depth of a male's voice and su some such subject matter as that, my friend. But that that is a conversation for Mr. C in the dark. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and save it for that. Anyways, guys. All right. Let's see what we got today. We have a, a pretty, yeah, pretty good show lined up for you guys. I guess, you know, we have a, a few, a uh, few headlines, a few, well, a few tidbits of news commentary that I will be enjoying sharing with you guys. We'll actually be starting off in California tonight of all places to start off. We'll start off to the west and we'll travel our way to the east coast of the United States of America. And guess what? Yes, we'll also throw a little bit of that. What? Election audit news going on. Yesterday was yesterday was a day, I tell you. Yesterday was a day. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit later as we move along in the show tonight. And uh, let's see what until then what we've got going on for you all. All right. Okay. As per the usual, we will begin with uh, some chat recap for you guys today. And uh, let's see how that goes. We had a Texas gal in the house, Empress Speech to you, Skeeter Burke. Empress donating 203 gold pills. Very so much thank you. Sherry Pittsburgh, the Texan, Kansas Mudcat with a cookie. Skeeter Burke, instrumental death metal when I'm in a bad mood. Wowzers. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, it's that aggression factor, isn't it? You know, I, I know what you mean. I used to listen to uh, uh, heavier forms of music whenever I was exercising, working, running out, something with a beat that was quick or something that was just fast. Um, and, uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't know if you know my music history. Uh, like, uh, I've shared it before here and there. <laughs> Ooh, is that a promise, Aurelius Locke? I look forward to it. 
We should be back probably in on Friday, if not, uh, I don't think we'll do one sooner, but for sure we should be on Friday for Mr. C in the Dark. So if any of you guys are interested in if you're late night owls, or if you're over on the West Coast and it's not that late for you, tune in to Mr. C in the Dark. Uh, same station, different times, right? Okay, cool. Uh, so I look forward to that. And Deborah Erdman, thank you for the cookie. I appreciate the gold pill gift. Um, uh, what was I saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Music, music, music. Um, yeah, the whole music thing. No, uh, I actually did used to listen to this is going back some ways, guys. I went from, I don't know, I went from like, um, you know, con contemporary 90s alternative, which is basically anything that was played on the radio back in the 90s, uh, into uh, 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 metal and rock and some forms of heavy metal. And then from there, I took the plunge into black metal. Uh, and I lived in that world for eh, a couple of years. And then I discovered the glories of the retro 80s underground European and uh, new wave music. And then I kind of just rested there for like quite some time. Anyways, okay, so that's just a quick, that's just a quick, yeah. Uh, anyway, so Just V was also in the house. We also had Sherry Pittsburgh. Uh, by the way, Sherry Pittsburgh says, where is Lindsey Graham? He's awfully quiet. Yeah, he's awfully quiet about a lot of things, needless to say, uh, including all of the, the rhinos, of course. I think the only ones that are making any noise about these audits are the Democrats. That should say something. Like you think if they were going to pick their talking point or their point of refutation, they would probably at least try and refute everything that the Democrats are saying about uh, these uh, election audits. You would think maybe also if they were going to pick a, a point to retort or rebuttal about, they would rebuttal against all of the talking heads on the major networks and beyond in regards to these election audits. But apparently... They've got nothing to say about that. I guess it's one of those things where, you know, if you don't talk about it, if you don't think about it, it doesn't exist. And uh, I think everyone is finally, I think everyone is finally starting to ask the question, why aren't they talking about it? Well, it's good to see that we do have some of our elected representatives and officials talking about it just not on the level that we want to see, and certainly not when they're trying to see why A, like Arona McDaniels is doing. Arona McDaniel, mm -mm -mm -mm. you're a little bit too late for that one, my friend, and you're you're about, uh, you're about a minute too late and 220 million shy of being on time to catch that one. Liz Garcia was in the house gifting a can. Thank you so much, my sweet. Pilled by the rabbit, hanging out. Uh, yeah, pilled by the rabbit. I think he was hanging out, uh, lurking and painting, or listening and painting. Oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. Skeeter Burke, Mr. C, do you remember that thing with the chicken D's about 10 years ago? They ran away to Oklahoma. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was a chicken crossing the road joke or if there was something with the, the oh, the, well, it's capital D. I should have realized that before I opened my mouth. Uh, no, I do not recall that. Uh, was that something that happened here in Texas? Because I heard that, yeah, I, I think it was about what, was it during the Bush period, right? That the, 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 the Democrat chickens, you said chicken D's and I thought something else. I was like, you must be talking about them roosters, right? No. Um, <laughs> okay. So yes, I do remember something about uh, the Democrats in Texas running away. I just didn't realize that they went to Oklahoma. Did they go gamble or something? Was that what they were doing up there with taxpayer money? Hmm. A $221 per diem plus $600 per month. Hmm. 
you know, what do they need $220 per diem? I guess because some of them are traveling from that far uh, because lunch is expensive in downtown Austin. I don't think so. Delivery is not even that expensive. Anyways, okay. Uh, let's see. Liz Garcia, free Britney. <clears throat> uh, were we talking about Britney Spears yesterday? <laughs> I don't recall us talking about Britney Spears yesterday, but her indeed. Foxy Lady was in the house. Skeeterberg says, probably the same thundercloud that was over me. Ah, oh, New New Braunfels. Ah, uh, yes. I used to pass through New Braunfels all the time, uh, going from Austin to San Antonio. Um, uh, some nice spots over in New Braunfels. Been over to the uh, the Groon Hall. Uh, been over to Landa Park. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little, a quaint little area. Christina Fontana was in the house. Just to be gifted a can. A service dog mom as well was hanging out. Derailing said, hey, Mr. C, you beautiful expletive. Well, thank you, sir, for keeping this show family friendly. I appreciate it. <laughs> Skeeter Burke, uh, oh, Skeeter Burke asked uh, Christina Fontana, do the Amish file taxes? Um, I think we were talking about uh, uh, ducking out of society. Now, you know, that kind of brings up an interesting point, although I would like to know whether or not the Amish pay taxes. But I would suspect if they don't have a job because they live off the land and they help each other in the community, that they probably don't pay taxes, at least at least not the head Amish man. What do they call that person? The elder Amish man? What is the leader of the Amish called? Does anyone know? Because I don't know. Someone educate me on that. All I know is the Amish came to town because they were looking to win an election for President Trump. And that is something that the Amish people don't do every election. So that should have been telling to some people. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some people did not see the Amish in their little buggies, horse-drawn buggies with their huge Trump flags coming into town from all areas of Amish country. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Mitradate, how's it going, my friend? I hope you're doing well this evening. Uh, Mitradate, I can't help it. Mitradate says... <laughs> I can't help it. I cannot help it. Mitradate said that Kamala is a super spreader. <laughs> she might be patient zero down at the free clinic, but um, <laughs> what exactly does she spread, Mitradate? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding with you guys. This is a family show. Knock it off, okay? <laughs> Anyways, okay, uh, let me see what else is up here today in the chat. Uh, oh, yeah, let's get back to the Amish. You distracted me, Mitradate. Okay, so do the Amish file taxes, and the conversation was about what can we do, and I believe, I think Christina said, like, kind of dip out of society kind of thing. I mean, you know, all of us would like to do that. I think that's the whole idea behind living off the grid and prepping and stuff like that. So that's all well and dandy. Uh, but if we're still going to live in a, you know, democratic republic, and uh, we're still going to be part of society, and we want to keep these uh, these uh, 48 contingent states together, plus the two that are hanging off to the side. Um, uh, we can't totally just dip. So, like, you know, because some people are kind of like, you know, so black-pilled, uh, among other things, whenever Trump uh, took a step back. Um, that, uh, they, 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 they kind of just wanted to like, like y'all, like was mentioned here, kind of just uh, break away from society and slink off into the shadows and just disregard all of that laws and regulations and all those good things. I mean, you know, well, they're not good things. Regulations aren't, can they be helpful? I mean, I, it keeps the children from working in sweat factories. Right. But, uh, as, as per the rule of law, you know, um, 
And that's another thing. Uh, but I mean, um, if we're still going to be in this fight, right? If we're still going to be uh, fighting. Not be able to see. There we go. He, he's back. Hold on. I forgot to connect my Ethernet cable. My bad. There we go. Okay. Oh, yeah, no. Mm -mm. That is no bueno, ladies and gentlemen. Let me see what else is up here. I am typing a message to you guys in the chat. Okay. All right. That might happen one more time. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Okay. Let me turn off some of this equipment I have up in here because clearly something is affecting the energy on my side. Wow. How interesting. Okay, cool. All right. Oh, let's see how long it takes to clear up here. Let's see. There we go. Okay, cool. Awesome. 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 Uh, good evening. Uh, speak uneasy. Pilled by the rabbit. Mitridate. <laughs> Texas gal. Aurelius Locke. Deborah Erdman. Sherry Pittsburgh. Doreen Merck. Everyone's coming in. Texas gal. Oh, I think I said your name again. Okay. All right. Okay. There we go. That's a little bit better. Okay, so yeah, I don't know. That was weird. Like uh, normally, I get the pinwheel on, uh, you know, one of the. Uh, well, you know, let's just be honest, pilled or on foxhole. But um, you know, it was actually inside of my uh, my software here, so that was kind of weird. Okay, and then I was like, wow, I'm still frozen. And as it turns out, I just had the video on pause. So <laughs> okay, we're we're up to we're off to a great Tuesday today. Where did I leave off? Oh, yeah, I think I was talking about dipping out of society because you're so depressed from Trump losing. No, no, no. If we're going to stay in this fight and if we're going to fight for our freedom, we're going to fight for our country. Obviously, we still have to be engaged to some extent. We can't just go grow a vegetable garden and call it a day and, you know, and get all of our prep stuff. I mean, stay prepared by all means. But, you know, we still have actions that need to be taken, actions that need to be acted. Thank you for the... <laughs> Thank for you. Thank you for the can, uh, Mr. Speakanese. I appreciate you. And uh, who's that? Uh, Merkers, Alan Dorian Merk. Oh, AKA Dor Oh, Merkers. Hey, Dorian Merk. What's up? <laughs> Dorian Merk's hopping on over to the Foxhole app. That's so dandy. Okay, so let's see what else we got going on here today. Uh, ta -dum, ta -dum, ta -dum. Uh, let's see. Liz Garcia, did you see about Sharpie Gate? Yes. Liz Garcia, I don't think you're in the chat room today, but I did indeed see about Sharpie Gate. I lived through Sharpie Gate, uh, Liz Garcia, just like we all did. You guys remember when all those reports were coming in and people were actually talking about it on the news and they're actually talking about it before everything got stifled? Yeah, and now it's turned out to be true. Uh, once again, another conspiracy theory that ends up being a fact. How interesting a uh, pattern that seems to be amongst all of these lies that the mainstream media tell. Boo. 
Okay, let's see here. Uh, Liz Garcia also says, I can't stand nipple ring guy. He looks like a Satanist. <laughs> We're talking about nipple rings Cuomo. And indeed, he does uh, look... He, I would have to agree with that assessment. He looks like it. He looks like he would uh, play a good devil also. Um, and... <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. We're getting into the uh, Mark. We're getting into the general millennial Mark Kelly. Uh, I mean, Mark Milley. Sorry, <laughs> and his duck face, his fish face is mm. <laughs> when he was doing his glamour shot. He's like, mm. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Liz Garcia said he was looking like he was getting ready for some contouring. <laughs> Skeeterberg says that's his dignified face. Uh, it's some good stuff. Uh, Just V says Millie has his panties in a wad as per the usual. Skeeterberg, Millie Vanilli. Absolutely. Uh, tell him, <laughs> derailing, tell him the thin part of the thong goes to the back. <laughs> it might have been too far back up there is kind of what I was thinking, derailing. Oh my goodness, but dang, that would do some, yeah, never mind. I see your point, derailing. <laughs> and blue steel. <laughs> he had he was trying to do that look he was like i'm preparing for my uh i'm preparing for my career as uh as a uh uh what uh what was that <laughs> he was like i'm preparing for my career for the uh um <laughs> the big boys calendar or something like that model uh nick walls was in the house sherry pittsburgh where is her laptop and what's on it we're talking about nancy pelosi why have we not heard anything about that laptop right and uh, if it, it wasn't it like a Patriot who took that laptop, I mean, I say Patriot like Patriot because I think like, I don't know, probably the first hundred or 200 people that went into that capital were probably all undercover agents. Uh, uh, let's hope and pray that one of them was an undercover plant of some sort that was working for the good guys and they just wanted to get it. Maybe we'll actually find that conversation. Maybe we'll actually find that, that uh, line of emails that connects her with the CEO or some insider trading. Maybe let us hope and pray. Let us hope and pray. So, so who do we ask that question, right? Who do we ask the question where, who has Nancy's laptop? Did you track them down? Where did they go and what was on it? Did you retrieve it? Did you look at the files or did you just give it back to Nancy? Did you just like mail it back to her at her, her palatial mansion over there in California somewhere? Nick Wall says, is it just me or does this pick make her look as if though she has a lazy eye? Yes, Mr. Nick Walls in that photo, one of her hoods was down. <laughs> Okay, anyway, Skeeter Burke, does she have a cat? Um, she might be afraid of cats because <laughs> if she dies, they'll eat her face off. Skeeter Burke, don't forget, Gavin Newsom is her nephew. I actually did not know that, or maybe it didn't. It was tucked somewhere in the back of my mind that uh, Gavin Newsom and Pelosi were related there somehow. Hmm. That's interesting. It's a good thing that you brought that up because it's always good to remember those things, right? I'm sure if people had known Pelosi, well, maybe they did know Pelosi was his auntie and that's why they elected him. I don't know. Um, I don't know. But uh, that's an interesting fact, how these people are all tied together and they're all involved in the same fix. All right. Uh, we also have the speaking easy. He's uh, uh, present here today and present here yesterday. Hey, Mr. Belushi. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for the cookie and 123 SKG. Welcome as well. Um, um, Mitradate asks, because again, 
this is not a family show for everybody, right? Mitradate asks if uh, Kamala worked at Mattress Firm, and we already know where this joke is going, right? Um, would you be a customer? Well, um, Mitradate, um, I'm pretty sure you know a bit about my personal history. <laughs> I mean, be being that Q&A and all. Um, however, <laughs> uh, if she were the salesperson, no. And um, if it were in the store that she's working at, no. And uh, we could just say mattress store. We don't have to advertise mattress for <laughs> Oh, Mitradate, you're such a kidder. All right. Good to have you in the chat, sir. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Skeeterberg says Jack or Zach. Uh, I don't know if I understand the reference there. Who were we talking about that was Jack or Zach? I don't remember talking about Jack yesterday. Did we talk about Jack yesterday? Um, but she says, uh, we should post some links somewhere at Mr. C. There are links on your website, question mark. What kind of links were you talking about? Does anyone in the chat know what Miss Skeeterberg might have been talking about there? I'm not 100% sure, but if I see her, I'll ask. Uh, oh, you know what? I think Skeeterberg just joined my uh, Twitch account. I think we can actually message on Twitch. So, Or do I have her on my Discord? I'm not sure. I have a Discord in case any of you guys were ever curious about that. I don't use it as often as I should. And, you know, I think the, I think the little, like, little, I think the little green light's always on even when I'm not on the app. So I don't know. It probably looks like I'm on there 24 hours a day, but I'm not. Uh, let's see. Connie Ketchup was in the house. Curious Cat. Connie McKenzie. I got Connie Ketchup and Connie McKenzie confused yesterday. Uh, bound to happen. <laughs> I'm glad that we had that sorted out, though. Philly Q is hanging out. Connie Ketchup says, this woman said they don't have the power to call the electors. Okay, guys. So, yes, that is exactly what I was, oh, yesterday was just like, uh. I mean, okay, I'll just be real with you guys. I'll just be 100% real with you guys. Uh, having read that article, granted, a, a little disheartening, okay? It was a little disheartening to know that, but this is constitutional law that we're going by, right? So um, a little disheartening to hear Senator Senate President Karen Fan say that. I mean, uh, to read that, but then to hear Senate President Karen Fan say those words, and I'll be honest with you guys. I mean, I've been a fan of Karen Fan, no pun intended. Uh, but it just. It sounds so dismissive the way she said it to me. I, I almost wanted to say that she sounded as fake as the background that she's using for her green screen in that interview. Um, so I didn't know what to think because uh, the way she responded to that reporter on OANN, um, it just, it didn't, she didn't sound like the fighter who we had seen on paper and who we'd seen in, in uh, interviews since the start of this whole thing. So I was like, um, I was like, does that mean that your uh, your time on stage, uh, the act that you were present in is over and now you just don't care, Karen fan? Like that's really, but I didn't want to go that heavy yesterday when we were talking about it because I don't know, you guys tell me how many other people covered that story about Senator Karen fan saying that. Did you guys hear about that from anyone else? Did you read that anywhere else? Because I dug it up in one article uh, on the internet that I found, 
not many other uh, news outlets had actually mentioned that. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, because that article is actually a couple of days old. And then yesterday I found another article, someone mentioned it, but that was it. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I, so when I was like, huh, you know, it was almost like a punch to the gut, you know, but at the same time, I was not prepared to go that heavy yesterday when we were talking about that article and what Karen fan said. Now on the flip side, there is some good news from what I've been reading and what I'm understanding is uh, it's not going to necessarily go to the, uh, the, uh, you know, the Congress of the United States. Now I could be wrong on this, you know, but uh, the Senate House and Senate, I mean the Senate, the Arizona Senate and House legislature, they're the ones I believe that it would go to after the AG calls for an investigation. So there's still some hope. Uh, and like I said, um, you know, it, it's it's a situation where, yes, uh, like some of you guys put it yesterday, there's a lot of hurdles that we have to get through. There was a lot of good uh, encouragement in there, too, because a lot of us were feeling that. Connie, Connie Ketchup, not to call you out, but I could tell that you were very affected by that news. You know, I was, too. You know, I was too, I feel like I totally changed my tone after that little segment. Um, but, you know, uh, like Jess says, the audit isn't over yet. None of them will give a hint about what will happen with massive fraud. So that could have been that too. Uh, it it sounds dismissive to me, but she might have just been, she might have just been protecting their next move by saying she doesn't know what's going to happen. They won't give any hint or any clue to the enemy about what their next move is. So that was, I think that was actually a very good positive analysis and uh, uh, of that entire conversation. Uh, Skeeter Burke said, have you ever pushed yourself really hard at the gym? That's what this feels like. We're not dying. It just, <laughs> it just feels like it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was still, it was still a, we're going to get this. We're going to shed them pounds, guys. We're going to lose this weight. I promise you. Okay. So that was interesting. Uh, and <laughs> oh man. Uh, Skeeter Burke also said pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. God give, never gives us more than we can handle. And clearly, guys, uh, I mean, I'm not just blowing air up your tukuses or your tukai, uh, but you know, uh, we are, we are, we're pretty, we're pretty freaking crazy, amazing guys. We are like, we're like pretty good warriors. I mean, if you think about everything that we've been through, and not even just us, but you know, anyone who's been in this country. Shoot, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to say that if I'm going to try and qualify America for having been through some hard times, I mean, come on, guys, there are countries out there that are going through far worse than we are. And in that regards, we're a bunch of big wussies compared to some of the persecution people are facing out there. But that's not my point. That's not my point at all, because uh, we're not wusses. We are fighters. Uh, we just you know, the people of America are just barely starting to wake up. You know, people of America are just barely starting to get the hint that that was that this is a battle and we've still yet to face the, the, you know, the, uh, the massive, uh, war. Well, you know, I don't even like to use words like the massive war because that makes it sound like it could be very long, dark and hopeless. Uh, and we've already been through so much, but at the same time, you know, just as I was, uh, speaking with a, uh, an associate of mine, yes, uh, you know, uh, America is just waking up, you know, and I've said that myself, you know, when I'm talking about how, 
we have what uh, one third of the country voted for Trump. So, you know, maybe a third or half of that really know what's going on and everyone else is quickly catching on. And when in America, when in recent American history have we had that many people who were awake to everything that was going on in Washington, D.C., and who could identify all of those things? So with the, and not just not just people like, uh, you know, like uh, Hillary Clinton would have us believe are just a basket of deplorable individuals, you know, like backwater people inbred with no with no uh, no education, formal education, no job, no no life. No, we're talking about learned people. We're talking about people with heart and passion. We're talking about good people. We're talking about people with strong families and strong morals and ethical standards. We're talking about the cream of the crop here that is now awake, not just, you know, what people would have painted as a, a stereotypical, you know, like redneck American. Because you know what, if if uh, if uh, if a redneck American is someone who loves America and is patriotic and uh, goes by the Constitution, then you can call me a redneck American, even though you know I'm full blown Hispanic. You know, but that's what I'm trying to say is like they try to put that stereotype on all of us, and now clearly it's it's a huge. I mean, this this basket of deplorables. Uh, I mean, it's quite a fine basket to be in. I mean, it's 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 beyond, I think, reproach almost, uh, the amount of good, uh, hearted and good, strong-willed people that we have working with us and with those who are trying to fight for us at the level of the state house and at the level of the federal government. Uh, we just don't see all of that. But in order for them to move forward and help us, we have to help them. And the only way we can do that is by staying in this war, by staying positive. And I don't even like to use the words like war, but I mean, we have to stay positive. We have to we have to have faith. We have to keep moving. We can't stop. We can't give up. We have to be those people that will be there to explain to the other ones who are asleep this entire time exactly what was going on. I mean, that might just very well be our lot in this entire skirmish, you know, is just to be the information, to be that individual who can share that hope and can share that valuable information with those who don't know what's going on, to be those who might be present for those who might have been asleep this entire time, to be there to be present for that person that finally wakes up and realizes what's going on when they say, you know what, I didn't, I didn't want this. I never asked for any of this. How on earth did it get to this point? You know, that we now have like what? Uh, gas is expensive again. Uh, uh, COVID's blowing up because of the open border. I mean, we all know it's probably because of the damn vaccine that COVID's coming back around, you know. Um, and, and uh, you know, there are just people getting lost and people getting, uh, you know, totally discouraged and depressed because the masks are coming back and stuff like that. But if we give up, if we lose that light inside of us, then who's going to be there? You know, I mean, all of us, our light can only burn so bright. And even though it might be as bright, Right as the sun, the darkness is always surrounding until it's not. So we have to continue to press on and stay positive and 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 you know, because also if we're not thinking positive, we're not able to think our clearest and we're not able to use the best discernment. When we start getting into that realm of negativity, 
we're not we're not able to think clearly. We can't we can't see the forest for the trees. We can't figure out where the puzzle pieces go. We can't see the next step right in front of us. So we have to maintain that positive high vibration. Uh, however, it is that you get there, whether it is whether just pa practicing positivity day in day out, uh, praying, um, you know, seeing family, being around friends, being around other uplifting people, eating right, exercising, anything like that. It's turning off the news. <laughs> You know, we have to, have to, have to continue to be that bright light for other people because otherwise we will be surrounded in darkness again. And we're not about to go back to the dark ages, my friends. We are not about to go back there. We are going to breach that next phase of enlightenment. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm enlightened. Now I can ascend into like my astral body. I mean that we have a higher understanding and a deeper wisdom of how this world works, of how we work with each other and how we can work together and we can reach that peaceful, I would say peaceful, the peaceful conclusion or beginning that we are looking for. So anyways, that's my spill. Don't lose hope. Karen Fan, I like your point of view, Just V. She's not going to give away any of the secrets to the en enemies. She's not going to tell them their next move. We don't telegraph our next move here on the good guy side. We don't, we don't, because we don't have to get ahead of the, we don't have to get ahead of the story because we're not lying. That's why the news media, they, they leak things and they try and get ahead of the story because they're trying to shape the narrative because they're telling nothing but lies. And that's what that boils down to. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, keep up the faith, keep up the hope, keep doing what you're doing. If you're out there, if you are, you know, if you are writing to your congressman, calling them, if you're telling your friends, if you're organizing, if you're handing out flyers, whatever it is that you're doing, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Because people need to see that we are awake and people need to see that other people are awake. Because let's just face it, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, where I'm sitting was a very, very, very lonely spot to be in. And I'm surrounded by a bunch of, you know, friends and family and, and you know, open hearts now. Who would have thought that we would get to this point? Okay, let me... <laughs> Let me get off that soapbox, ladies and gentlemen. I just didn't want to, you know, we just because we'll talk a little bit more about it later on in the show. I wanted to share that with you all. Okay, so all right, let's see where else were we at yesterday. We're about to wrap up yesterday's chat recap so we can get into today's report. Uh, let's see, Cloud Watcher was hanging out. Okay, so then we started talking about Rob Pitt. What was it? What was it with all of the unattractive golems that we had on the show yesterday? Right, we started off with. Uh, General, um, General Millennial Mark Milley. <laughs> oh, he's such an SJW, SOB, SOI boy. Um, okay, so we start, started talking about Rob Pitts. Uh, Speaking easy, said he looks like a demonic red fox. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, let's see. Uh, Just V asked if he was on my game last night. We were playing The Walking Dead uh, on Sunday night. Yeah, I think he was the first to go, Just V. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Connie Ketchup, two, there are two Connies, Mr. C, yes, we got that. Don S, thank you so much for the Double Shades gift yesterday. Uh, Just V says that Connie Ketchup, the audit isn't over yet. Do you really think the people will let it stand? Again, yes, it's not going to stand, guys. Uh, Love Warns was in the house, derailing, gifted a cookie. Thank you so much. Christina C, Victoria, also in the house. Connie Ketchup says, is Camp the one that the boyfriend died of his daughter 
Who is that one? Yes, that is the man. Uh, Christina C. backs it up. He was killed in a car accident, an explosion. Just be at an explosion that never should have happened with the type of wreck. So yes, I believe that uh, Kemp's uh, daughter's boyfriend was killed. I don't know that for a fact. I can't tell you. I don't have the receipts to prove it. Uh, but uh, who's that guy whose car blew up and like his, his engine ended up like five blocks away? Uh, wasn't that uh, one of those news reporter guys? <clears throat> um, anyhow, so yeah, that kind of that's kind of the story I got from that, at least by uh, uh, by by what I heard. Um, App nine eight eight nine was in the house. Joyful June, TG Patriot, two Q two Q, John eight thirty two, and John the Greek also hanging out yesterday. Had a great great time yesterday. We're gonna go right to Trump news in just a minute. Let me go ahead and see who is hanging out in the chat. We said hello to all of you beautiful people. Uh, Aurelius Locke, Texas gal, um, Sherry Pittsburgh, uh, Deborah Erdman, Mitridate. Pilled by the rabbit. Even I'm in the chat today. The speak uneasy. <laughs> Merkers as well. Oh, goodness. Thanks, guys, uh, for coming in and hanging out today. One, two, three, SKG, Belushi. Um, let's see. Who else been hanging out with us today? Uh, Seize the day, 9-11. How's it going? Howdy, howdy. F103, I think is that what that says. Yes, absolutely. Tam Growls, Christine C, Gary Flessner. How's it going, family? Welcome to the Tuesday night edition of the Mr. C, well, Mr. C, the Mr. C Report, the C Report. If anyone ever strikes me for the C Report, like someone's like, I'm going to sue you, I'll just say it's the Mr. C Report. Thank you very much. <laughs> If not that, it'll just become my last name because, after all, my last name starts with a C. Okay, guys. All right. Let's go ahead and get into yesterday's... Wait. We already did yesterday's chat recap. Let's get into today's uh, Trump statements. Statements from President Trump. We have a few of them coming up this uh, this afternoon. Again, he's, he's really enjoying those in-case-you-missed-it moments. Uh, he started off with one from Newsmax. Study 2020 election polls underestimated support for Republicans. Trump. Uh, the AAPOR task force examined 2,858 polls, including 529 national president rate, presidential race polls and 1,572 state-level presidential polls. They found the surveys out, uh, overstated the margin between President Biden and former President Donald Trump by 3.9 points in the national popular vote and 4.3 percentage points in state polls, the Post reported. Polls under uh, polls understand Trump support in um, in a nearly every state and by an average of three point three percentage points overall. Understated, I said understand. Understated, understated. Yeah, that was. I mean, again, just like we were talking about, just like I said, uh, they try and get ahead of the narrative. They try and it's it's all of that uh, that predictive programming. And if you see a poll that says that he's down in the polls, then when they force it to be down of their own uh, deceit and fraud, then at least they had the news to back them up from the beginning. That's their own future proves the past. Basically, they used, uh, that's what they would use the media for. So this way they could prove their points because someone had leaked it or some poll had declared it early on in the game. And guess what, guys? Now we know how they play the game thanks to President Trump and to other people being awake and aware of that. Uh, and even some pollsters came out and were, were mentioning to the fact that uh, indeed uh, things were not exactly the way that they seemed. 
Uh, next statement from President Trump. Paying close attention to the Wyoming House primary against loser rhino Liz Cheney, some highly respected pollsters tell me she's toast in Wyoming after siding with crazy Nancy Pelosi and supporting the Democrat impeachment hoax. And that's just the beginning. This is a hot race with some very interesting candidates running against her. Remember, though, in the end, we can just want one candidate running against per 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 Cheney, Perry, against Cheney. I'll be meeting with some of her opponents in Bedminster next week and will be making my decision on who to endorse in the next few months. Just one candidate. Thank you. I love it. He's giving a strategy, guys. He's giving a strategy. It's like, uh, it's like what? Uh, we have like what? Well, who was it? Uh, uh, was um, over here in Texas um, that we had? Uh, we had was in the third, fifteenth district, I think. We had a race that's going on down there. They start off with like twelve or twenty something Republicans. Uh, and, and, you know, it's like, that's a great way to split the vote. You know, that's a great way, especially if they throw in fake candidates to go against those that they don't want to get in. You know, they exist. You know, that's a game that they play. So he's stressing here, just one candidate. There's no way that we could possibly get the right candidate in if we have all of these other candidates in the same field uh, that are trying to do this, who are trying to, to just split and divide the vote makes the house weak and then the enemy or the Democrat or the rhino get in that we don't want in. So I'm glad that he's, he's stressing. I'm glad that he is stressing that strategy because that strategy is going to be very important moving forward. It's uh, kind of like when I think about uh, the, the gubernatorial race. Now I'm pretty sure I know who the Republican candidate is going to be in the governor's race in Georgia, but here you have, uh, uh, Candace, uh, Candace, um, what's her last name? Can well, I already forgot her last name. I guess she's not going to be the winner. Vernon Jones and Candace Taylor. <laughs> now, Candace, uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, as far as governorship goes, as far as anything big goes, this is really kind of like her first rodeo. Um, I don't see her outperforming Vernon by any means, but you never know if she gets enough of a pool, how much of that vote she can take away from Vernon. Already, I'm kind of, you know, if I lived in the state of Georgia, I could tell you who I would be voting for. Um, but at the same time here, uh, that's just the big thing there is that like, will, you know, uh, will one of those concede before it's too late? You know, we don't want to get an opponent in there. Uh, like, say, for example, what if it's Vernon Jones versus Stacey Abrams? Now, no one likes Stacey Abrams unless you're a Democrat, you work for Happy Faces, or you're the owner of Golden Corral, right? But, but, and this is a big but because of Stacey Abrams, if Candace Taylor and Vernon Jones, and say you get two or three other Republicans in there, and maybe even an independent, and, and maybe a lot of them are America First or MAGA, and they're all singing a beautiful tune, do you see how easy it's going to be for Stacey Abrams to slide on up there to the front of the buffet line? It'll be quite easy indeed. So that's why I'm glad that President Trump is stressing this strategy. I hope all of you candidates out there for any type of office who are America first or a MAGA patriot, I hope you're paying attention because he's giving you strategy. We have to unite, okay? We have to unite 
and we have to get behind the strongest candidate before it is too late. Moving forward, that's what we're doing, right? <clears throat> Moving forward, not looking back. Uh, next uh, statement from Pre Oh, wait, that was... <laughs> Ooh, I only had two statements from President Trump for you guys today. Well, that about wraps up the show here for you tonight, guys. No, just kidding. I'm playing. I kid, I kid. Uh, here's what we're going to talk about next, guys. We're going to go straight over to California. All right, what do we got going on over at California? Okay, so, you know, a little bit of news coming from California. Um, uh, mostly, uh, mostly it is surrounding the uh, uh, governor's recall of Gavin Gruesome Newsome. Uh, Newsome, Gruesome, Gruesome Newsome. We'll just call him Gavin Gruesome. So we have uh, the governor, Gavin Gruesome, who's up for recall. His head's on the chopping block as of, what was it, September 14th? Just like uh, just in time for my birthday. Right. OK, so uh, and that, of course, is uh, already a bunch under a bunch of like uh, um, um, a contention, because after all, uh, the uh, citizens of the state of California were able to get this ahead of time. They were able to get Gruesome Newsome on the recall list. They're able to get that petition to go through. They're going to have their special election. But then, of course, the Democrats over there went ahead and finagled it in spite of the fact that they had pushed back recall election uh, time period uh, in in the previous recall, which was of a senator, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong, Miss Jess V. Um, but in, in light of that, now what they did is they went ahead and they moved the recall date up. So people were like, well, obviously these uh, Democrats are trying to like do this in the favor of, of a gruesome newsome. It definitely seems like this could be the case. It definitely seems like that's the way it could go. Um, and their logic behind that, I'm sure, is like twofold. One being that if they have it earlier, uh, anyone who's running against him won't have time to organize a campaign, to get their name out there, to do any kind of, uh, you know, advertising candidate stuff, you know, all that good stuff. So that's why that was one of them. The other thing is that at the moment, I don't know how long this is going to hold. In fact, the Democrats should have known better in California. How long does a politician or a celebrity stay in good graces in the state of California? I mean, all you have to do is read the tabloid the next day and it's like, whoop, they were hanging out with their pants off, you know? So uh, basically they were thinking that Gavin Gruesome Newsome would stay in such good graces that, uh, you know, his poll number, again, with the poll numbers, they would still be high up there and there would be no chance that uh, anyone would vote over him, especially because all of these COVID mandates were starting to be released. Like they're starting to, to ease up on the slaves of California over there. Well, we'll see how that goes for them to be specific, because if I'm not mistaken, the last I heard, they were now encouraging people to wear masks indoors again, even if they have been vaccinated. So like I said, tabloid headline, Gavin Gruesome Newsome caught with a mask on and his trousers down, right? So we'll see how long that lasts. Maybe they'll foible him up a little bit more just because uh, they want these COVID restrictions. And of course, the state of California is most definitely going to be compliant to that because they seem to be compliant to all of these things. Now, the next thing that I would suggest to you is, gah, can we please get someone over there in the state of California with the data to support the uh, nurse home COVID death scandal, because don't forget Gavin Gruesome Newsome, his name was most definitely on that list, ladies and gentlemen. So if his name was on that list, where is the receipts? 
show me the receipts. Where's the evidence for it? Because again, he did have that, what, that, that mandate that basically said that if you were recovering from COVID, you go back to a rehabilitation center, that kind of stuff. So if someone could show us that before September, I'm sure his gruesome newsome goose will be cooked. Okay. But with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, we do have a, a list of contenders who are going to be running in this recall, notwithstanding Caitlyn Jenner. Okay, everyone already knows Caitlyn Jenner's running for it. They actually had him, her at the top of the list to begin with before they even had this recall. I'm pretty sure I heard Caitlyn saying that he was going to be running for governor in the state of California. So with that said, let's see. We have, uh, according to my list here, 21 Republicans are on the ballot, eight Democrats, a Libertarian, nine Independents, and two Green Party candidates. That's uh, 21, 9, 30, 39, 41 people running for governor in the state of California in the wake of Gavin Grusom Newsom's recall. So that uh, what do we say about splitting the vote here? Well, guys, it would have been 42. But uh, let's talk a little bit about this man. This man is a man they call Larry Elder. Uh, Larry Elder is a conservative black American radio talk show host, podcaster, book writer, filmmaker. Well, actually, I don't think he's a filmmaker, but he's been in some, he's been in some interviews and stuff like that. Uh, the Associated Press had to say about uh, this Mr. Larry Elder radio host that he was entering the California recall election. Um, and uh, <clears throat> uh, again, this was supposed to have uh, uh, happened on, oh, oh, it is happening on September 14th, right in time for my birthday. Okay, so we'll see what happens. Maybe um, uh, I'll get uh, a good birthday wish for my friends in California and they get a good replacement governor for Gavin Grusom Newsom over there in California. Instead about Larry Elder's show, um, his show is nationally syndicated. He's a regular guest on Fox News. He's been dubbed the Sage from South Central on his website, which is a reference to the area of Los Angeles where he grew up. In an interview with Associated Press, the 69-year-old attorney said he initially was reluctant to become a candidate in a state where Democrats hold a lopsided grip on power in Sacramento. Among supporters who encouraged him to run, fellow conservative radio host Dennis Prager. All right. So an elder said he decided to enter his first campaign campaign after witnessing California's out-of-control homeless crisis, spiking crime rates, looming water and power shortages, and whipshaw coronavirus lockdowns. Let's have a little few. Let's uh, listen to a few words from Mr. Uh, Mr. Elder here just to uh, just to see what he has to say. Close that hundred thousand dollars. It is impossible. Hey, Gavin News. Hey, there we go. <laughs> is beholden to the teachers' union and is an appalling choice, even though the majority of black and brown parents living in the inner city realize they've got rotten schools in many cases and they want them to do better. We have rising crime in this country and especially in this state, in, in the Bay Area, in LA. In San Diego, you can literally steal $950 worth of goods every single day without facing the possibility of going to jail. They give you a ticket if you show up, and you can do this, by the way, every single day. The goal behind Proposition 47 was to make sure that people went into rehab when they had problems. But without taking the, when you take away the threat that they're going to go to jail, 
what's the incentive for them to go into rehab? I mean, I can keep on stealing and not have to do anything. So it's increased our homelessness problem. And he's not done anything at all about that. This is a guy that thinks you can just build your way out of homelessness without resolving the reason why people are homeless in the first place. They need to be dealt with with care and with compassion, but just building more homes just encourages people from other states to come here and get a free home as well. And don't get me started on the cost of living. As you know, my dad came here in 1945, was able to buy a home in South Central that today is worth $600,000. It is impossible for anybody to do what my dad did, work two full-time jobs as a dropout cleaning toilets and raise enough money to buy a house they cost $600,000. That's why young people are going to Tennessee. They're going to Florida. They're going to Texas. And I intend to reverse that. We've got a state to save. Please go to my website, elder, electelder.com, electelder.com. I'm going to be your next governor, God willing. And when I do, we're going to change things in Sacramento. Electelder.com, electelder.com. Thank you all for so much for coming out here. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your compassion. And I'm going to need your help after I get elected. Go to electelder.com. God bless. All right. So that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good speech he gave there. <clears throat> now, as I was saying, um, Larry Elder was, um, was well, I'm not, I'm not trying to give away the story here. You guys probably already know what's going on with him. But 41 candidates, guys, 41 candidates. Like I said, he had been um, a little bit... Um, He'd been a little bit cautious about actually entering into the race, but that changed also uh, when he decided he had to go ahead and get involved. I want to play one other clip from him so we can get a better sense of his politic. Uh, this one here is on uh, Real America. Something tells me this is going to Hi, Tom Jotow here, you know America's what? number one. No. <laughs> Let me get this off the screen real quick, guys, and then I'll go ahead and bring it back up for you. Uh, so we can get kind of sense of what was going on with him over at uh, uh, his decision to be in this race. Now, I said this clip's going to be from Real America. He's going to talk with uh, this uh, Dan. Uh, Dan. <laughs> I guess his name is just Dan. Okay, let me go ahead and bring that onto the screen. Oh, goodness. Oh, joy. We're having too much fun here. Okay, let's go, guys. It's ungovernable. The Democrats enjoy supermajorities in the Senate, supermajorities in the Assembly. So Republicans even need not show up for work, and they can do whatever damn thing they want, and they have. And then I said, I, I agree with that. I, I got you. Well, you know him. You love him, hopefully. Radio host right there, Larry Elder, declaring why he at first had said, hell no to the thing for California governor. Well, now he's changed his mind, and thank goodness, because we need somebody in there with common sense, the credibility, the name power, the cash, and I happen to believe he's actually the one that has the shot at taking Gavin Newsom out, which we need so desperately in this state. But I think it also will send a message to the entire country, right, about getting rid of this guy who not only handled the COVID pandemic horribly, but prior to that was leading California down a horrible horrible path. Joining me now to explain why he changed his mind and why he's now thrown his hat in the ring to unseat Gavin Newsom in the upcoming recall election. And I would like to point out, Larry, that the last time Dennis was here just a few weeks ago, I asked that very question and begged, is Larry running? Can you please tell him to? Please. I know we have that clip. I don't know if we can run it today, but Larry Elder, welcome to the program for the first time. Uh, how are you doing today, sir? 
Well, this is my uh, second full-time day on the campaign trail. I've never run for anything. Uh, check that. I ran for fifth grade class president. I carried three rolls. It was, it was a slaughter. They're still cleaning up the blood. But, uh, but I, I, um, I, I told Dennis uh, two things would happen if I were to run. Uh, I could lose. I could win. Both are bad. Uh, because of what I said about the domination of the Democrats in Sacramento. Yeah. But the more I looked at it, the more uh, I saw how arrogantly uh, this governor was ignoring science, shutting down school for an entire year. We're already talking about a state where nearly half the kids cannot read at state levels of proficiency, where 75% of black kids cannot, and they already lost a whole year of school. But then in preparing for this race, I was talking to my makeup artist. Uh, she was, uh, we were doing some commercials, and she's a single mom, has a 17-year-old boy who's one of the top wrestlers at his weight class in California. Uh, the coach was his father figure who was going to school and practicing six days a week. That got completely shut down. The kid became morose, depressed. He's now in therapy. Another mm -hmm. member of my staff has a brother up in Oakland who's a football coach, white guy. Virtually all his players are black, have no fathers. He was their father figure. He begged. He said, we're outdoors for crying out loud. We can do this safely. They still shut him down. Two of the boys got into trouble with the law. One of them committed a crime so serious, he's going to be behind bars for years. This would not have to, ha this did not have to happen, but for the anti-science mandates that this man imposed, because he's totally beholden to the teachers that were still getting paid for whatever reason. They didn't want, they did, they did not want kids to go back to school during that whole year. Uh, and he listened to them, didn't listen to the science. And, and, and now we have this kind of carnage. Add to that rising crime, rising homelessness, yep. the hellacious cost of living so young families are leaving because they can't get their starter home. This guy has got to go. And I've been talking about these issues now for 30 years up and down California. I'm in every major market in California. And I think I can explain to Joe and Joe Sixpack, there's a connection between all of these bad things uh, and Gavin Newsom and his left-wing cohorts in Sacramento. Couldn't agree with you more. I've been out here, uh, Larry, you and I both, for a long time. First time I moved to California was December of 96. And I've moved away and come back and moved away and come back uh, more times than I should have, probably. But you know what? It's a beautiful place. There are some really great, amazing people here, amazing businesses. The problem is it has been run into the ground and run like hell for decades. Let's go back a little bit. You discuss a lot on the pandemic. But I, I hate when the left says that's the only reason we're throwing him under the bus and trying to get him recalled. No. Let's go back before March 19th, the lockdown right, of 2020. And let's discuss Mr. Newsom in early 2020 and 19 and uh, part of 18 and the Democrats and their policies that were already state before the pandemic. I want you to kind of elaborate on that, especially when it comes to small businesses and taxes and fees. Uh, Dan, I want to go back even further. I want to go back to 1945 with my dropout, eighth grade dropout dad first came to Los Angeles. Uh, he was from Athens, Georgia. Uh, the largest private employer in those days was the Pullman Porter. The Pullman Porter came out to L.A. And he was amazed, Dan. He could walk to the front door of a restaurant, sit down, and get served. And he said, to, he made, made a middle note, maybe someday I'll relocate to California. Pearl Harbor, my dad becomes a Marine. He's in charge of cooking for the so-called colored soldiers. Uh, goes to Chattanooga, can't get a job with the cooking because they tell him we don't hire any N-words. Comes out here. Uh, they don't give him a job either. He takes two full-time jobs cleaning toilets. Believe it or not, stay-at-home mom, my mother, raised three boys. Uh, she remained staying at home until the youngest of us uh, was in middle school, and my dad was able to save his nickels and dimes and buy a home that right now, according to Zillow, is worth $600,000.
Yeah, wonderful for us because it's still in the family. My point is, anybody with an eighth grade education like my dad, who worked three jobs, four jobs, could never get the DP, could never be able to afford a house like that because the cost of living has gone crazy because the environmentalists taken over the state for the last 30 years. Yeah, that's true. And then you tack on the taxes and the fees for small business owners. They're fleeing. I know, Larry, you saw the numbers. 2020 was the first time the golden state, and she ain't so golden, hopefully you can fix that, but the first time ever this state saw more people flee it than move to it in its inception, right? I read that article. Did you? Yeah, of course I did. These are native Californians that decided that they can't take it anymore. And that's why I'm urging people to go to electelder.com, electelder.com, throw something in the tip jar, because this guy has unlimited amounts of money to spend. We don't. We have the limits on how much money we can raise, how much money we can spend. He does not. So unless I get money from Californians and people outside California, I don't have any hope of winning this thing. But I think Californians and, and people outside the state recognize that this state how it goes, goes the rest of the country. Again, Democrats dominate both houses of legislature. They dominate the uh, the governor's and there are a lot of states where that's the case. And and what happened to California with the rising crime, the rising homelessness, could happen to your state as well. And regarding homelessness, this guy thinks all you need to do is build homes. Believe me, without dealing with the underlying reason why people are on the streets in the first place, that's not going to work. And all yeah. it's doing from other states that come to California. I mean, I get a free home, plus the weather's nice, plus I'm going to be treated with a great deal of compassion, and that's what we've done. And people should be treated with compassion, but some percentage of these people, Dan, are schizophrenic. They're a danger to themselves, to others. I'm sorry, they need to be picked up and held. The rest of them need to be treated. But even after they're treated, what happens? We can't get a low-cost apartment. We can't get a low-cost housing because of the anti-building attitude around here. So when I become governor, I'm going to invoke my emergency powers and suspend some of these rules and regulations, most notably that uh, law called CEQA, uh, that allows virtually anybody to stop any project for any reason, delaying it indefinitely and jacking up the cost. I talked to a contractor who said 20 years ago he proposed a 2,000-house development Got sued. Okay, cut it down to one thousand. Got sued. Cut it down to five hundred. Got sued. And now, twenty-five years later, is opening up a two hundred housing development, all because of CEQA. And that it's got to be turned around. And I'm going to do that by invoking emergency powers regarding education. Between five and seven percent of public school teachers need to be fired. There are three hundred thousand public school teachers in California dead. Guess how many got fired last year? Two. I was going to say two. Because <laughs> they never get fired. That's what the unions do. They protect their butts, even when they're right. spewing CRT or not just teaching anything in general. Like my kiddo said, a lot of teachers are these days. Well, they're as, as my 13-year-old said, you can tell they're phoning it in, Dad. They're calling it in. Like, that's not what we expect when we take the kids. Larry, you and I could go on and on. I will say this. With all the candidates out there, Caitlyn Jenner, John Cox, who ran against Mr. Newsom and was beat, uh, the former San Diego mayor, Mr. Faulkner. I don't even know how many candidates there are. Uh, it seems to me just only announcing uh, a few hours ago for you, you seem to be jumping to the top of the heap. Uh, that's my final question. Why do you think that is? I think I have higher name recognition. And I think, you know, like you, Dan, I've been articulating these issues now for a number of years in a way that Joe and Joe six back can get. I think I make a connection to other people. And I'm not running against Democrats. I'm running against this particular man. And again, 2.2 million people signed that petition. A lot of independents, a lot of Democrats who voted for Gavin Newsom have changed their mind. And I'm urging them all to go to electelder.com. 37% of those 2.2 were not Republicans. I love pointing that fact out. Larry Elder, go to the website, folks. Uh, I'm going to tell you, people have been asking me, Larry, who who are you going to vote for? You live in California. Who do you like right now? Everybody out there? I'm liking this guy. 
There we go. I said it. Larry, thank you so much for coming on the program. You take care. My pleasure. Thank you. Yep. Okay. So there you go, guys. Sounds like a hot ticket in California, if you ask me. Um, but as some of you guys may know, and I'm going to thank Just V for putting out that phone number, call your California Secretary of State and demand that Larry Elder be on the recall ballot. So lo and behold, there should have been 42, 42 names on that ballot. But somehow, somehow magically and mysteriously, Larry Elder's name did not appear on the preliminary ballot list. So it's not the final list, but on the preliminary list, Larry Elder has been excluded. And you can tell what kind of tour de force this man is. And uh, Gruesome Newsome would probably be having some bad nights at home in his bed crying, knowing that this man is running against him or running in the hopes of getting him out. Now, I noticed also in the chat that Mitradate had po posted a, uh, an interesting factoid here. Um, if, if Gruesome Newsome leads with 25% of the votes, he wins the recall. No runoff if over 25% split. The vote is his strategy. What were we just talking about with splitting the vote? Now, whenever this whole recall thing came up and they were talking about the uh, numbers of people that were signing up to be governor, some, some, some articles are saying people, some people are just running to put their name in the paper. Some people are just running, but they're not actually going to do anything, anything with it. They're just running to get, you know, their five seconds of fame or what have you. But if it comes down to the lot, if it gets down to the wire guys, and you know, I've never uh, participated or experienced a recall election, at least in my voting lifetime, and I'm sure that they're different from state to state. So I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly how all that's going to go down. I mean, I don't know if it boils down to, you know, uh, a few candidates in the end, or if it is indeed a total ballot sheet of 42, 41 candidates uh, that you just choose from. Um, uh, we could only hope that uh, everyone who signed that petition shows up at the ballot box and they have a name like Larry Elder at the tip of their tongues, at the, the tips of their finger, uh, finger, at the tips of their fingertips, guys. <laughs> so anyways, uh, so what was going on here with Larry Elder's name not being on the ballot, preliminary ballot, for the special elections. Like we said, there were 41 candidates. It should have been 42. Um, but now his uh, his uh, his name does not appear, even though he declared his candidacy days earlier. Um, um, let's see here. According to a statement from Elder's campaign spokeswoman, uh, her name is Ying Ma. Uh, she said, our campaign submitted every document required by the Secretary of State and the Los Angeles County Registrar to qualify for the ballot. Um, and in a statement, uh, Larry said, uh, we've compiled, oh, uh, yeah, uh, Larry said, we've compiled uh, with everything, we've com complied with everything the Secretary of State has required of us. The politicians in Sacramento know I'm the only candidate who can beat Gavin Newsom. They are afraid and they are using whatever shenanigans they can to try to trip me up. It won't work. So he's not giving up on it. In fact, he released this. Let me make sure there's not a 
Now, <laughs> no, <laughs> these dang commercials. Okay, let me get this commercial off the screen while I talk. Um, yeah, so uh, he's not giving up. He's most definitely going to continue to carry on the fight. But here's what he had to say in a quick video that he did, I guess, from his uh, home. <laughs> Boy, he looks like uh, he looks like he's awfully comfortable. <laughs> okay, hold on. Here he comes. Here's here's what Larry Elder had to say about not being on the ballot. People are wondering, why is my name not on the list of candidates to recall Governor Gavin Newsom in this recall election? Let me show you this headline. California court invalidates law requiring Trump tax return. That was to prevent Trump from getting on the ballot in California. But it did not apply to gubernatorial candidates. First time ever. Got this letter from the Secretary of State, Democrat. Here are the following reasons why you might be disqualified. No declaration of candidacy was filed. Doesn't apply. Nomination signature requirement was not met. Doesn't apply. No income tax return disclosure consent and acknowledgement form was filed. Doesn't apply. No income tax return were filed. Doesn't apply. The only box check is for this. Incomplete, redacted, or unredacted income tax returns were filed. We file both redacted and unredacted tax returns. So I guess what they're saying is we redacted something that should have been redacted or we didn't redact something that should have been redacted. Never has anybody been disqualified from a ballot here in California for a reason like that. This morning, I'll see you in court. Out. Don't forget to go to electelder.com, electelder.com, because we have a state to save. Did I say out? I love it. <laughs> I like this man. I like this man. So yes, there you go. Again, he's not going to stop. I love tenacious people. I love the people that just do not get beat when people think that they are down. Um, so he said here, yes, they filed five years of tax returns totaling over 300 pages to the California elections officials who did not include him, uh, do not include him on the preliminary list of candidates. Uh, the gubernatorial hopeful earlier shared a letter from Weber indicating he didn't qualify as a candidate because of incomplete redacted or unredacted income tax returns. Elder's campaign argued that under state law, Weber has the authority to fix any redaction errors for the public, adding that Weber's office has not informed Elder of its specific objections to his tax returns. Uh, the campaign also said that by denying voters the ability to choose Elder on the ballot, the Secretary of State was effectively engaging in voter suppression. Mm, Going to use their own methods against them is what it sounds like. Now, Tam Growl had mentioned here that Gavin Gruesome Newsom did not, in fact, file his tax returns, and yet somehow he was still eligible to run for uh, governor. Uh, Jess V said that no one has ever been left off the ballot in um, in a, for a tax issue. So he's going to go to court is what his plan is. So, I mean, maybe they're trying to slow him down, but that's what it's got to be about. I think uh, Jess V had mentioned also here in the recall of Governor Davis, they had over 100 people, and that's how they ended up with the Terminator as their uh, governor over <laughs> the governator that's a true governor jesus like i call i call the uh, i call the the five or six governors who are responsible for the uh, covid nursing home debt scandals governors boy could uh <laughs> 
<laughs> Could words not ring truer with Arnold being the governor over there in the state of California? Okay, so <laughs> anyways, uh, let's get back to here. Okay, let's get back over here. Uh, it says here that the campaign, um, the campaign also argued that Weber's decision violates the Equal Protection Clause of the California Constitution because Newsom did not have to comply with the same tax return disclosures. Uh, um, uh, Larry Elder says, I am waging a legal battle to run as candidate for California, who are uh, Californians who are tired of the partisanship and entrenched, entrenched interests of Sacramento. I fully expect to be on the final certified list of candidates. I'm confident we're going to prevail. Again, Elder said, adding to his team that they are prepared to take this case all the way up to the California Supreme Court. Um, Elder's complaint, which was filed in the Superior Court State of California for the County of Sacramento, alleges that Weaver has neglected her duty. And how could I, I mean, sorry, ladies, how could I have figured that, th why are all the Secretary of Snakes women, except for Brad Raffensperger? <laughs> what is up with that? Like, I, what is up with that? Anyways, okay, Brad, you're a man alone, my friend, but you might not even be that based on the way you've been acting. Okay, anyways, so uh, so it says here that uh, Weber has uh, neglected her duty and has wrongfully refused to accept um, uh, accept and file his nomination and his uh, nomination documentation, um, and that prop, uh, Elder properly submitted everything to qualify as a candidate in the state of California. California. So I'm glad I sat on this story for a few days, guys, because back when Larry Elder first put his bid up for the um, for nomination in uh, the California group, I was going to share that story with you guys. That was like, what, three, three days ago, maybe, maybe, maybe last week um, on Friday. I'm glad I waited. God, that made a much plumper story. So anyways, okay, so there you go, guys. That's kind of what's going on uh, over in California right now. And again, thank you just for providing that information for any of you Californians out there who might be uh, watching and enjoying the show. 1-800-345-VOTE. And tell that Secretary of Snakes Weber to get her head out of her tuchus and to do the right thing for a change. And, uh... Well, that's all I got to say about that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're staying in the state of California for one more story tonight. Now, this story was rather interesting uh, to me. I think I had heard uh, I had heard someone talking about it in one of their shows over there. Speak uneasy, uh, talking about his visits to California and uh, how you can get hit with a misdemeanor charge for misgendering someone. Isn't that a fun fact? Sorry for you people on the Eastern Seaboard. You're going through this literal hell. Uh, but uh, anyhow, let's see what we have to say here. Um, so, okay, actually, this is some good news. Um, the California Appeals Court overturns anti-misgendering laws on the First Amendment. That's a good thing. That's a win here. Now, um, I don't know how deep these laws go, but it at least applies in the context that we're talking about here. Uh, the article said that a California appeals court struck down as unconstitutional a state law that penalized elder care workers for using pronouns inconsistent with elderly long-term care patients claimed gender identity. So immediately I was thinking like, wow, in the state of California, you have elders 
that need to be cared for that I guess are just so, I guess are you, are they so wealthy that all they can care about is whether or not the help calls them by the correct pronoun? <laughs> like, I don't get it. I was like, I guess only in the state of California, which you have, you know, the dying people being concerned about being called by the right gender in their opinion. So <laughs> anyways, uh, and apparently this is a New York human rights law that we're talking about here. So it started in New York, it's a, a human rights law that, that bans gender identity discrimination and it imposes a fine of $250,000. Talk about a way to fill your state coffers. Uh, we can't tax them anymore, so we're going to start making up some ludicrous laws just to get some more money in the state's pocket. That's what this sounds like to me. Uh, it says, and that's uh, for failing to use the person's preferred personal pronoun. Okay, now I know with you guys over in chat, I kind of, you know, and I try not to, I try not to get all like, oh, I try not to say something like, I hope I didn't, uh, uh, I, I, I didn't misgender you. I don't like saying stuff like that. You know what? It's your fault. You have the app. No, just kidding. <laughs> You need to put some uh, some gender. No, no, just, it's not a big deal. But I mean, come on, guys. Could you imagine if all of y'all had the right to like slap a lawsuit against me for misgendering you in the chat room? <laughs> that would be something. Oh, my goodness. Talk about man. Talk about a human rights violation against me. I'm just kidding. But anyways, um, if you could put uh, if you could put l or law before your avatar name that would be great it would help out a lot no just kidding okay but you know the funny the fun thing about it is that um whenever i have addressed someone in the chat room uh, and they've corrected me and that's perfectly fine i don't forget that's, i've been real good about it i so far i have not forgotten anyone who's told me whether they are a boy or a girl so anyways it's fun stuff it's fun stuff Okay, so uh, the, the article goes on to say, um, okay, oh, okay, so there's more examples of this misgendering stuff, right? Uh, according to a social media giant Twitter, even they will ban users for misgendering or dead naming transgendered people. Um, uh, dead naming is kind of something that I just did with uh, Bruce Jenner, I mean, Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> I mean, I misgendered him too. Is she going to sue me? Um, uh, anyways, <laughs> I just called her both genders in the same sentence. Uh, okay, so uh, dead naming. I didn't even know this was a thing. Dead naming is when you call a, I guess, a, a transitioned human being by their birth name. So, you know, I would call Caitlin Bruce instead of Caitlin, right? I still call him a he and a her and a him. I just, yeah, I'm really confused. Anyways, okay. Um, apparently, apparently Facebook, Facebook apparently recognizes 58 genders. I did not know that there are that many genders out there, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it's starting to sound like the word gender should be more like an emotional word. The word gender should be more like a subjective word. I guess it's not the same as sex, you know, or um, uh, what else would you say? No, gender. Gender. 
uh, gender like that i mean isn't that what that word means like you know, someone's sex sex sexual not orientation the birth sex whatever you guys know what i'm talking about um so facebook apparently recognizes 58 different genders and i didn't even know this y'all they allow their users to select which gender to use in their profile self-description uh, it's insane guys that is insane what has happened to the LGBT community out there? Uh, were, they, were, they, were they even a little decent guys? Maybe at least until AIDS, right? <laughs> oh, is that funny? <laughs> Sorry. After AIDS, it was like, uh, forget it. The LGBTQ people went off the deep end and they stole every letter in the alphabet. Anyways, okay. It says, in a rare legal defeat for the transgenderism movement, a ruling by the Court of Appeals of the State of California, the third appellate court uh, district, I apologize, sided with the First Amendment speech protections over activists. Uh, I can't even imagine that there's a such thing as a gender activist. Like, get over yourself, okay? Like, I'm sorry you weren't pretty as a girl or, you know, no one liked you as a boy. Uh, get over yourself. Anyways, the court decision is taking a, oh, uh, uh, the name of the people who were fighting to get this, uh, this, uh, this gender, 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 whatever it is, uh, struck down, uh, was a group called Taking Offense. <laughs> Oh, the irony of it all. So a group called Taking Offense went to court to uh, to basically turn this uh, gender stupid thing over. Um, and the state of California uh, sided with Taking Offense. <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. Because it's the gender people who take offense. Anyways, okay. Uh, the court decision affects lesbians gays, bisexuals, and transgender LGBT long-term care facility residents bill of rights, which is the, which the California legislature added to the state's health and safety code in 2017. So in 2017, the state of California decided that if you're in elder care and you're, I mean, it shouldn't even count for gay, bisexual, because they know what gender they are. Obviously, if you're a lesbian, you like women. If you're a gay man, you like men. And you probably identify as a man. It only affects the transgenders. Like, that's all this affects. How many old... How many... How many elder transgender people are there out there? I mean, I know as the world gets older, all the drag queens of yore... Well, I shouldn't say that, because drag queens are not transgender, actually. <laughs> Oh, you all are going to get some quick education here on the C-Report tonight. No, but like, the drag queens are not transgender, okay? But all the transgenders of yore, um, I mean, like, I guess there are more and more of them as the, the years grow longer, right? I guess that's what's up. And they must all be in California. I guess they're not in Florida. I mean, I thought Florida's where you went to retire, but I guess not if you're transgender, huh? So anyways, it says here, the long-term care facility, they, they had a bill of rights for long-term care facility elderly people who are transgender. It doesn't affect gay people. It doesn't affect lesbians. They know what gender they are, okay? It affects transgender people. That's all it affects. Okay, uh, let's see here. What else does it say? <laughs> 
I'm sorry, guys. This is kind of going off the rail for a minute. <laughs> uh, so taking offense challenge that provisions arguing that it violates care facility staff members' rights to free speech, free exercise of religion, and freedom of thoughts and belief is vague and overbroad. I would definitely say that. Now, here's what the court had to say. Here's what the court had to say in that regard. Uh, the court recognized the legislature's legitimate and laudable goal of rooting out discrimination against LGBT residents of long-term care facilities, but they agreed that with taking offense that pronoun provisions is a content-based restriction of speech that does not survive strict scrutiny. The pronoun provision, whether enforced through criminal or civil penalties, is over-inclusive in that it restricts more speech than is necessary to achieve the government's compelling interest in eliminating discrimination, including harassment on the basis of sex. Rather than prohibiting conduct and speech amounting to actionable harassment or discrimination as those terms are legally defined, the law criminalizes even occasional isolated offhanded instances of willful misgendering provided there has been at least one prior instance without requiring that such occasional instances of misgendering amount to harassing or discriminatory conduct. So you might have an elder transgender Karen in there or Percy. What is the, the male equivalent of a Karen? A Percy. So a Percy or a Karen might be in there and they might just have their stockings too tightly wound up around their thighs and you accidentally say a he or she and they're like, oh my God, you're misgendering me i'm gonna sue you and so basically that's what i mean it's an overreach i mean i, mean, I can't help you look like a man <laughs> i can't help i can't help you look like a man you do not pass okay you never did pass it's not my fault okay anyways okay so you didn't get the curvature surgery done you didn't get anyways okay uh, okay let me just stop there okay so the uh the court continues <laughs> Using the workplace context as an analogy, the uh, statute prohibits the kind of isolated remarks not sufficiently severe or pervasive to create an objectively hostile work environment. It's only hostile in Karen and Percy's room, period. There is no requirement in the statute that the misgendering at uh, the that the misgendering at issue here negatively affects any resident's access to care. In other words, there could be like, I'm sorry, Karen, we're not going to let you take a bath today because the women are taking a bath today. <laughs> okay, so that's not happening. They're not, they're not saying, I'm sorry, Percy, we're not going to give you any hot and icy <laughs> because the real men need that for their muscles. Like, they're not, this isn't happening, okay? Anyways, okay, so any residents access to care or course of treatment indeed there is no requirement that the residents even be aware of the misgendering in this case the attorney general has not shown that criminalizing occasional offhand or isolated instances of misgendering that need not occur in the resident's president presence and need not have a harassing or discriminatory effect on the resident's treatments or access to care is necessary to advance their goal. Okay, transgender Karen and transgender Percy, why don't you wear a name tag saying what your gender is and how you want to be called? Um, I'm sure you can get with the head of HR or the nurse staff head and make sure that on your forms, 
before a brand new help helper, <laughs> before a brand new handmate comes in and that you let them know what you think you are in your head. All right. Uh, that almost wraps it up for California. We will say this in regards to California's former AG. Oh, there he is. Speaking of transgenders, <laughs> speaking of transgenders, we got What the Hell Harris here. Uh, real quick story on What the Hell Harris in regards to uh, the runaway Democrats who ran away to Washington, D.C. and then caught Corona. Um, yeah, oh, God. I think I told you guys my thoughts on that yesterday. And that was just basically that uh, when you <laughs> that was just basically that uh, they're just using Corona as an excuse not to go back to work for two more weeks. I'm surprised that not all 51 or two or three or four, eight of them didn't come down with coronavirus, right? And yet, allegedly now, I think, what, one of Kamala Wana Harris, oh, wait, uh, we'll just go with what the hell Harris. Uh, well, I, I heard one of her staff members actually had come down with Corona. I think who he was, he was, he was hosting, uh, hosting the runaway Jagoffs uh, one day on some rooftop. Uh, taking pictures, singing Kumbaya, and sending out uh, sending out in, uh, smoke signals to the the people of Texas. Right, we'll be back in a month. Like uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, so one of her staff members caught Corona. But there was a little bit more of a muss and a fuss uh, behind this uh, this transgendered man here um, about uh, whether or not uh, he had actually caught Corona. Also, now um, what the hell, Harris did go to Walter Reed uh, to be sure, um, but. As it turns out, there was a kind of a mix up uh, across of communication lines here when uh, we had one person saying that uh, they did go. She did go get tested. But then someone on her staff was saying otherwise. Now, during a White House press briefing on Monday afternoon, uh, Circleback Saki over there said that Harris had been tested for the coronavirus and that there was no detection of the coronavirus. Now, that right there was very interesting interesting to me because for all of us out there who don't have goldfish memories, is it not true that it takes two weeks to determine whether someone has COVID or not? Like, didn't we have to lock down for two weeks after testing or after contact? We had to lock down for two weeks after making contact back in March 19th, 2020 to make sure that any of the symptoms became obvious. And you could, did they fix that with testing? Did I miss on that one somewhere? I don't do many Corona stories. So like, uh, I'm not sure. Did they figure out a test that figures out uh, automatically? Uh, anyways, okay, so that might be nothing. That might be a nothing burger there, guys. But um, anyways, so uh, um, uh, uh, what the hell Harris had a staff member uh, by the name of Simone Sanders, who actually said that um, uh, what the hell Harris and his staff did not need to be tested after meeting with the Texas lawmakers on Tuesday. This was Sanders' full statement. On Tuesday, July 13th, Vice President What the Hell Harris met with members of the Texas state legislator who are temporarily in Washington, D.C. Earlier today, it was brought to our attention that <clears throat> two of the members at the meeting tested positive for COVID-19. Based on the timeline of these positive tests, it was determined the vice president and his staff uh, present at the meeting were not at risk of exposure because they were not in close contact with those who tested positive and therefore do not need to be tested or quarantined. The vice president select and his staff are fully vaccinated. Oh, 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 wait. 
So now, if you're fully vaccinated, it, it doesn't matter, right? Oh, now, oh, how convenient. How convenient, Simone Sanders, that now if you're not, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to worry. And so you don't have to get tested. And yet Circleback Saki said that she was tested and it was okay. Sounds like a cover up to me. Maybe, oh, I think I heard someone else say this. I think I heard someone else say that maybe they were going to get what the hell Harris infected so that he could infect uh, illegitimate pedo Joe and then they could kill him off and then he could come in and then that's one of the two half feathers. Ooh, okay, let's see what happens. All right, so um, <clears throat> now according to Politico's West Wing playbook, they questioned the vice president's office about the potential conflict that Sanders had uh, responded that both of the statements were true. So Simone Sanders now said they don't have to be tested. They're okay. But what Jen Psaki said about her being tested is true. Well, these people really need to get on the same page so that they don't have to worry about who's lying about what. The statement demonstrates that Sanders deliberately misled the press on Saturday about whether Harris would or had taken a coronavirus test or that there were concerns about him contracting the virus after meeting with these runaway Democrats from Texas. Now, what the hell Harris's staff did refuse to comment on this conundrum. However, he was not present with the, uh, with the president. select. he was not present with the president select Joe illegitimate pedo on Monday. So we'll, I mean, I don't know if we'll, I can't really say that we will, uh, we will keep a tab on this story. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting to bring to y'all's attention. All right, let's get on to our next story. Now we're zipping across to the other side of the country into New York. Oh, who is that ugly face on the screen there? All right. Well, this is uh, not so lovely Mayor Lovely Warren of Rochester, New York. Yes, the mayor of Rochester, New York, has hit the headlines because she will be arraigned alongside her husband on a weapons charge and a child endangerment charge, manana, that is, tomorrow on Wednesday. Um, so this, uh, this uh, report came from WEHC, Rochester, New York. Uh, Rochester Mayor Lovely Warren and her husband, Timothy Granison, will be arraigned on weapons and child endangerment charges tomorrow morning, according to court records. Now, uh, they, they are both being charged with criminal possession of a firearm, which is a Class E felony. Two counts of endangering the welfare of a child and two counts of failure to lock and or secure firearms in a dwelling. This is the state of New York, guys. So at first I was kind of like, hmm. I was like, this is an interesting reverse Second Amendment story. Okay. This is the kind of nightmare that we could expect to see. Um, in other states, should they go ahead and get rid of our Second Amendment rights to some degree? 
the interesting thing to note about this is that the firearms, two of them that were in possession in her household, were not registered to either of them in their names. So, okay, so maybe not such a anti-Second Amendment story. Because after all, we law-abiding, gun-owning citizens of America, right, we would make sure that the gun... <laughs> is legal and legally and lawfully ours whereas this democrat this democrat from the state of new york has two firearms in her house and they don't belong to she or her husband they're not registered by law uh, to them so okay okay it's okay it's okay but the story gets worse ladies and gentlemen <laughs> the story gets worse First of all, one might wonder if you're a gun enthusiast, exactly what firearms did she have in her house? Well, she had a standard manufacturing STD-15 rifle and a 40 Caltech P40 pistol. Both of them were found in a search of her house, her, she and her husband, Granison. Um, and uh, when this search was being conducted, these two weapons were found, again, unlocked and unsecure within a child's reach while their 10-year-old child was at home alone. The child was home alone with unsecured guns that are unregistered, and there was a raid. There was a raid. Now, you might be wondering, whoa, is the state of New York so draconian that they are going to raid someone's house over two possibly registered or unregistered guns, right? And the answer to that would be no. <laughs> Apparently, there has been an investigation going on into her husband, again, his name being Timothy Granison. Now, Timothy Granison is being charged with, I don't know why she's not being charged with possession, because after all, it is her household, right? This is her home, okay? Anyways, Granison is also being charged with criminal possession of a controlled substance and third-degree criminal possession of narcotics, which is intent to sell, following this search. The search was for that indeed, ladies and gentlemen. It was a raid that was uh, that was in conjunction with other uh, other investigation into other drug uh, drug schemes there in New York. He had 31 grams of cocaine in his house, uh, bulk quantities as they call it. Now, I don't know what 31 grams of cocaine sounds like, but that sounds like a lot, right? <laughs> that was so bad, right? I'm all, I don't know what 31 grams sounds like anyway. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay, so uh, let's see. From a co-defendant, okay. So, and then, of course, for distribution. Now, it was during the course of this raid that they found these unregistered weapons. So that's a Class E felony. A Class E felony on this mayor of Rochester. Now, you might be wondering, Mr. C, why are you coming down on this lovely... <laughs> on this lovely woman here as far as having guns that were unregistered i mean i just it sucks that you have people who are in the positions that they're in you know uh, in elected office and yet family members are criminals crooks running uh, selling drugs and probably wouldn't even doubt if they were running guns that these things were unregistered but how did this guy obtain those weapons is another question uh anyhow it says um uh it says here that uh <laughs> Uh, it's not the first time that she is now here's why we're coming down on her here's why we're coming on down on this lovely miss lovely warren um miss lovely warren 
has been indicted in the past as mayor um, on charges that she broke campaign finance rules and also committed fraud during her 2017 re-election campaign. Now, that's from the district attorney of Monroe County. He announced that on Friday. Okay, so she's already has a criminal uh, criminal history, a record, right, guys? Now she's found with these guns. But here is, oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, one charge is for a scheme uh, to defraud the first defraud in the first degree, while another is an election offense uh, for illegally coordinating activities and expenditures. Right. Okay. So that's what was going on on that first night she had. But here's the cherry on top. Here is where she takes the cake and she tries to run away and eat it. She got caught though. She's a hypocrite. I mean, we said Democrat, right? Okay, yeah. So we kind of already knew she was a hypocrite. But she has complained many times about uh, the number of illegal guns on the street. Mind you, she's a Democrat who owns a gun, which makes her a hypocrite in her constituents' eyes already. But now she's saying that she was going to try and help clean up the streets of illegal guns when she has two illegal firearms in her home. Not to mention 31 grams of cocaine, right? Okay, so uh, she's been in support of the state's draconian gun laws, and she has even tried to do a buyback program that she announced earlier this week. She was going to initiate a buyback program in Rochester, claiming once again that getting the guns off the street is a priority. They get them off the street and she'd probably take them into her own home or she'd use them to supply her husband's gang member drug dealers or something like that. That's speculation on my part, but I mean, hey, if the shoe fits, you see the hypocrites. All right. That's enough about this individual here. Let's keep on moving right along. What's our next story? Oh, our next story is a gun-related story. That is Cuba. Never mind the ice stock. Uh, uh, <laughs> never mind the ice stock uh, uh, overlays there. <laughs> on the, here, I'll show you. Look, can you see them? Ice stock. Okay, so sorry, we have a very very small budget here at the Sea Report, and time is of the essence. Okay, so uh, this is a story related into uh, into uh, Cuba and actually what they're facing as a disarmed citizenship. Okay, because don't forget, guys, communists love to take the guns. Socialists dream about taking the guns, but communists, they take them guns. And uh, for all those people out there who still rally around the communist causes, I get, ah, ah, that's all I have to say to you. Like, I cannot stand communists, okay? And I've met a couple of them. All right. So, okay. So here we have, okay. So what are we talking about? Okay. So, you know, we have this, uh, we have this uprising in Cuba. There is still little footage leaking out of Cuba. Uh, I mean, and I'm telling you the stuff that I've seen come out because it's not like we're not getting a firestorm of, of uh, a content coming out of Cuba right now. Not everyone because they've cut off their internet, right? In spite of the fact that, you know, we could probably get the internet going there. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the United States of America can figure out a way to get internet working over there. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's like a pretty big base there in Cuba called Guantanamo that probably needs internet access. That's probably coming from the United States of America, right? Okay, so as I was saying, um, um, not a lot of uh, not a lot of footage, images, documentation is coming out of Cuba right now. But what is coming out? 
is gruesome. Like the stuff I've seen, it, it, there's blood, it's bloody, people are crying, people are upset, people are mad, people are getting busted in. So like, I don't, I don't know how large these protests are still going on in Cuba. I saw this one video of a guy that was talking about that they were still going to go be meeting out on the weekend to go protest. And then in that same video, the federales came, busted down his door, knocked his, uh, knocked his camera over and took him away. Like, that, that, real life stuff, right? So uh, uh, found this article here that I thought was interesting talking about the gun control laws that they have in Cuba and how they've affected uh, the freedom protesters there because these people can't stand up. Like you have the, the, the federales, the undercover people, they're the ones, they're shooting people, they're killing people. And if it's not that, then you have, uh, you have uh, plainclothes officers or thugs or revolutionarios, the communists that the, uh, the dictator president over there called on the people to go stop these protesters these people who want their freedom in Cuba. Okay. And they're showing up with bats and sticks and iron crowbars to beat the people guys. Like it is inhumane what is going on over there, but let's get back to the gun laws in Cuba. Um, okay. So again, uh, some of the things that we're seeing there is uh, Cuba in the people are not allowed any claim to a natural right to keep and bear arms. So in other words, the right to bear arms, the right to self-defense is not a natural God-given right by order of the communists. Now, that's just a total affront to everything that America stands for, right? So could you imagine what it must be like to be on a secluded island nation, let alone within borders of a communist country? But uh, to have that uh, to have that right stripped of you, I don't think any of us could imagine that. But that's what people in communist nations are dealing with, um, and of course that does create the disadvantage—a very deadly disadvantage. Those controls. Uh, <clears throat> uh, let's see. Some of the other controls include a ban on a large swath of firearms and require those who want to own legal guns the regime recognizes as legal to first require a license. License. So, okay, so they have to get their license if someone wants it. Now, the process for getting a license includes establishing a genuine reason to possess a firearm. So if you were to go up to the communist regime and be like, hey, I need a firearm so I can go shoot protesters fighting for Cuba's freedom, they'd probably hand you a firearm license in a heartbeat, but then you still have to get the gun, right? Uh, Cubans who are able to get a license have to reapply and requalify for the firearm license every 10 years. Now, the would-be firearm owner also has to go through a background check which considers criminal, mental health, physical health, and addiction records. So that kind of sounds like them red red flag laws that they're trying to initiate here in the United States, right? Oh, well, if your neighbor says that you have mental health issues or that you get mad sometimes, well, we guess you're not going to get a firearm. Um, oh, wait, you're... Um what would be a uh, what would be a good health reason? Not oh, you got Tourette syndrome. You don't know if your tick is a trigger finger. <laughs> I don't know. Like okay, okay. Oh wait, you used to be addicted to any kind of drug that's not like pharmaceutical. Well then, absolutely, you cannot own a firearm in the uh, country of Cuba. Uh, okay. It also says that the minimum wait time for a lawful firearm purchase has to be completed, but that wait time is not determined. 
So you might pass your you might pass your licensing exam, you might uh, pass your background check, but it could probably still take you months or years to get a firearm in the country of Cuba. All purchased firearms must be registered. All private sales are prohibited by law. So there are no legal gun dealers in the state of Cuba, state of Cuba, the country of Cuba. And the right to private gun ownership is not guaranteed by law. Meaning, even if you did pass all of that stuff and you were aces in the eyes of these communist regimes, uh, say you have a skirmish with uh, your neighbor's wife and your neighbor happens to be a federale. Yeah, you might lose favor with the government then, and uh, you're not guaranteed ownership of that gun. Carrying a firearm openly in public is also illegal, and carrying a concealed firearm in public is prohibited by law as well. So that's just some of the things as far as gun control is uh, happening in Cuba. I mean, but that's been in place for quite some time. But that's just an example of what it is like. You have no right to self-defense in a communist country. And that's why for, I mean, I know my audience knows what's up. But for those of you who don't know what's up, perhaps you're like a 20-year-old SJW I don't know, gender confused soy person uh, at your, in your mother's house or your grandparents' house on Twitch, and you don't know about the communist countries, well, you don't get to own guns over there, okay? They kill people over there, and uh, they say it's in the name of, uh, of a revolutionary against people who don't stand for communism. It's ridiculous. Anything you hear otherwise is a lie. The people of Cuba have been under uh, this fascist uh, control. When I say fascist, communist control, uh, dictatorship for 60 years. And that's why you see the people in Cuba standing up, not because they want a COVID vaccine. All right, let's go ahead and move on to some. <laughs> Whoa, I think I like this guy's style. <laughs> Just kidding, but you know, honestly, I think I have that tie. Uh, I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a salmon suit quite like that color. Is that salmon? I would say that's salmon, right? <laughs> Who is this man on my screen? You're wondering. Okay, uh, this is uh, this is a representative by the name of Timothy Rantham. Rantham. He is a representative in the state of Wisconsin. So now we're going to be talking a little bit about um, a little bit about uh, uh, election election audits again, ladies. Yes, we're back to election audits, ladies and gentlemen. We never stop talking about them at the C Report uh, because that is the the hinge, the contingency of our 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 freedom on paper at the moment. Um, okay, so it says uh, uh, this Wisconsin Wisconsin this Wisconsin Republican representative is actually calling for a forensic audit in the state of Wisconsin. Well, hey, it's about time. So what this guy wants to do, uh, he wants to do a forensic audit, right? But what he is very interested in doing is he's interested in studying the folded or printed ballots that were counted in Wisconsin just the way they did in Georgia, 
Of course, you had uh, Garland Favorito, the man of the hour at Voter GA in Georgia, leading that charge. Uh, and also in Arizona, of course, we had the full forensic where they studied the paper and did all of that stuff. And for those naysayers out there, never forget, they did in fact find that the wrong paper type was used. Was it bamboo? No, but none of us ever said it was bamboo to begin with, okay? But in fact, in fact, in fact, there was different paper stock used. So we stand, I don't know, you stand corrected, we stand correct. Okay, so that's how that goes. All right, uh, Rantham wants Wisconsin's Legislative Audit Bureau to look and see if Wisconsin had any machine-folded mail-in ballots or ballots that were printed as opposed to filled in by hand. He also wants to know if there were some absentee ballots that came back too perfect. Rantham said audits in both Georgia and Arizona found similar questionable ballots, so he imagines that it's probably the same case in his state Rantham wants to focus on the Wisconsin Five. Do you guys remember who the Wisconsin Five are? It is Milwaukee, Kenosha, Racine, and they say Dane County and Brown County, but it's actually, well, I guess these cities are in those counties, Milwaukee, Kenosha, Racine, Green Bay, and Madison? Is it Madison? Milwaukee, Green Bay, Kenosha, Racine, Madison. I think it's Madison. Okay. Those are uh, the Wisconsin's five most Democrat counties and the counties that saw most of the state's Zuckerbucks fly into. Remember, guys, we talked all about Zuckerbucks and Wisconsin back in like April <laughs> or May. April or May. God, that's going back some time. There are already several investigations into the November 2020 election in Wisconsin, including one by the Assembly Elections Committee and one by the Assembly Speaker Ron, uh, Robin Voss. Now, that one with Robin Voss, that's the one where they were talking about having three retired police officers, police detectives, do the investigation. Uh, but there was still a lot of question in regards to what that investigation was going to look like. Because there was a rumor that they were actually going to be investigating the involvement of NGO money, you know, such as Zuckerbucks and his Center for Tech and Civic Life, and how that money was used and where it went in their state. But Representative Rantham, we're glad that uh, you're uh, seeking that in your state, and I'm thankful that uh, you have a colorful coat. All right. Next story for tonight. More on the election audits. Who are these beautiful faces? These are the shining faces of hope. The anti-Karen fans of Arizona. Okay. Because Karen fan. Okay. She had a poker face. Karen fan had a poker face. I was like, I'm going to poke your face because I don't want to hear you sounding so dismissive about all the hard work that you did. But in that regard, you do have the man with the bolo tie that is Representative Mark Fincham. And of course, our former Air, Fe Air Force Lieutenant, if I'm not mistaken, Captain uh, uh, Wendy Rogers. I apologize. I don't remember your rank, but I thank you for your service, ma'am. Um, so again, we have these individuals here who are still fighting hard to make sure that something comes of this election audit in the state of Arizona. Now, to be sure, the election audit had errors. We heard Karen Fenn say, if, 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 if. She sounded like Obama. If, 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 okay. She said, if. 
Again, she might not be trying to show her hand, right? She doesn't want to show her hand. I'm going to go with that. Thank you, Just Feet. I'm going to roll with that, okay? So that could very well be the case. Um, it has been said that the state legislature has plenary or absolute power over their electors and state elections. So when Karen Fan says it's going to go to Congress... I'm hoping she meant the Congress of the state of Arizona, because that's kind of what it's looking like right now. And if it stays within the state of Arizona to figure out where their electors go, everybody in Arizona, you better start calling your state representatives, your state senators. You better start calling your city council people. You call everybody and you let them know that they need to recall those state electors. I can't do it for you. I'll send you $5 if you make the phone call. Okay. <laughs> all i have to say get on the horn um we'll see i'll get i'll get um i'll get nick walls and desert fire on my show and we will call them together <laughs> i will dial the number for you let's just call them guys like okay i'm not saying that they're not gonna obviously I think it's a joke because they're the only people i know that live in arizona that care okay so anyways the other people that i know in arizona they already gave up like <laughs> They're like, he's never going to be. Anyways, okay, enough about that. Okay, so, all right, let's hear what Mark Fincham had to say, though. Mark Fincham was on Mr. Bannon's War Room. I hope he doesn't mind me calling him Mr. Bannon. <laughs> um, oh, wait, I take it back. <laughs> it's not Mr. Bannon's War Room. He's actually on Victory News. Okay, so he had some things to say on Victory News. Let's go ahead and get that roll in here. Okay, it's a silent commercial, so we're good. All right, let me get that on the screen for you guys. I want to bring in the Arizona State Representative that we speak to quite often, Mark Fincham. Mark, I want to bring you in on this. It doesn't seem Maricopa County had control of their election or any recount when a third-party contractor, in this case Dominion, is the only one that can validate the system. So there were several facts that came out. I want to get your thoughts about what you heard yesterday. Yeah, they, they did not have control of the election system. And I'm, I'm really glad that uh, State Senator Warren Peterson, who was the chairman of the judiciary, uh, really focused in on that point that uh, the officials at Dominion had a greater level of access than the election officials. That can never happen again. Because what that means is the election officials that we've elected, the, the people that, the, that are representatives of the people, had the potential to be overridden by somebody with a higher level of administrative authority within that election system. And I think that that's, that is beyond the pale. We did not control this election. A private concern did. And we've already seen evidence, uh, not just in Arizona, but across the country, where uh, Dominion voting machines, the Dominion equipment, not only had NIC cards, which are network interface cards, but also had chipsets that enable Bluetooth communications devices. Now, one of the things that I, I found interesting is, okay, we've been told repeatedly that there was no access to the Internet. Well, if that's the case, then why would you need to update antivirus software? I can understand that, you know, you, you would do that just before an election where you would plug probably a jump drive in to update for that particular election. But even that software has to be audited before it's introduced into the system to see to it that there is no nefarious code in it. And it, it, it just this this the hearing yesterday 
it points to me or leads me to believe that this election is so compromised, is, is so inaccurate that I can't in good conscience continue to support it. In fact, I've, I've had serious questions not in support of this election for quite some time. But I think the, the, the legislature is probably going to have to take action of some kind. Uh, I agree with Senator Rogers. This, this cannot be allowed to stand. To your point, um, all admin accounts for the people doing the election in the, in the counties, all admin accounts share the same password. It had, it had not changed since Dominion installed uh, the system on there. Yes, and that, by the way, that destroys the audit trail which is a critical function of the people who are administrating the election. A couple of other things that were that made me wake up was bleed through on ballots that were, we were assured that the paper would not bleed through, but apparently it did. Uh, 168,000 ballots on demand were printed at polling sites on the day of the election, and they can be offset due to calibration as they go through the scanner, changing that vote. I found that very interesting. 74,000. Which, which, by the way, yes. forces adjudication. So somebody could just move the vote. Well, I think they kind of meant this because I see the I see the dot. Well, it could have been a blood through dot. We have no proof of that. Right. So that's very disturbing. But Seven, go on. Seventy-four thousand two hundred forty-three mail-in ballots with no clear record that the ballot was ever sent. Uh, that all of these numbers add up to a large large amount of votes. That is probably one of the most stunning revelations. That if there was no record of a ballot being mailed out. How can there be a ballot mailed in? And, you know, I, I've been working with some of my colleagues on a project called the Arizona Ballot Integrity Project that will put a watermark on specific paper and have some counter fraud countermeasures uh, built into the ballot paper itself. Uh, and, and next year, we will likely mandate the use of this paper so that we can't just have off-the-shelf paper because... The, the ballot paper is supposed to have a coating on it that will not permit bleed-through. Well, clearly, that procedural element was not followed. Did not happen. Let me ask you something real quick. Let me pivot away from that for just a moment, if we could. Um, the Biden administration partnering with the Facebook to watch our text and our messages and our posts. Okay, we'll, we'll close it there because they, they go away from the uh, topic of conversation, which obviously is in regards to uh, what's going on in Arizona with these elections. We don't want to talk about Facebook. We may, we'll, we may get to that story at another time. I mean, every, everyone knows what's going on there. Uh, just more, more, uh, more overreach, more censorship, more violations of our Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights, spying on us like they have never spied before. Telling people to turn each other in, to be snitches on them. Yes, uh, the government's doing it. The State Department's doing it. Facebook's doing it. They're all doing it. Uh, but anyhow, no, nah, that's not what we're going to talk about. So again, you see, you have Mark Fincham. He's still laying it down pretty flat. He's still saying, look, we can still move forward with this. Um, um, so, I mean, um, you know, I mean, maybe these are the cheerleaders here. Maybe uh, Mr. Bolo Tai and uh, Wendy Rogers, maybe they are the ones who are going to lead the cause, one in the House and one in the Senate, right? Uh, and then hopefully that can go ahead. They can keep that rolling. Um, now, just to be clear, though, I, I do like Mark Fincham. I'm not making fun of him because he has a Bolo tie on. But, like, um, uh, he, is, he is running for state AG in the upcoming Arizona election. So... I would watch this man. I, I mean, you guys should already kind of be over there in Arizona. 
should kind of already be thinking about it. He's the one. He's been fighting for our rights uh, and fighting for your rights and fighting for election um, election integrity in the state of Arizona. He's been very vocal about it since day one. Make no mistake about it. Mark Fincham is a man to watch for state AG in the upcoming Arizona elections. Now, on to Wendy Rogers. Wendy Rogers has been fight, 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 fight. Like, this woman's got some gusto, and I love it, okay? So, um, she, okay, this is, uh, she released a, a series of statements. In fact, a series of tweets. So, uh, I'm actually going to show you guys uh, the Gateway Pundit so, uh, so well put all of this together like all of her statements, like we're just going to read her statements because this woman's fighting. So she's got the spirit. Yes, she does. Um, okay. So I just thought I'd share these with you just so you guys know, because Karen fan left a taste in my mouth that was like, Bleh. you know, okay. So I was like, Karen, no. Okay. So in her first statement, recall the fraudulent electors. Okay. All of the real patriots check in, activate, activate, activate. Save America. In other words, right now is not the time to get discouraged. Right now is not the time to get blackpilled. Right now is the time to get awake and active, to do something, to like be out there, to say something, to call someone, to spread the word, to, to do all these things, you know, to, to fight, continue to press on, not to lay down. Next statement. Uh, at Brat Bear or Buyer is fake news. Okay, because this guy, he's just quoting things from like Fox News. You guys can't see it. Let me, here, let me expand it this way. Whoop. Okay, that's better. Wait, whoop. 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 Okay, there we go. Okay, so this this at Brett Bear just dismissed the findings of the Cyber Ninjas by referencing a statement from Maricopa Vote, or it's Maricopa County. Uh, Brett Bear's on Fox News again. This is the guy that called Arizona for illegitimate Joe five minutes after the polls closed. So you know, boo to him. Uh, again, another statement. We are all. Why are all of these supposed conservative people in power just sitting on their hands get in the fight where is everybody at right i mean these are valid questions to ask and wendy rogers is again one of the only representative senators who's doing that for us on a national scale don't be the politician left holding the bag when this fraud is proven nationwide there is still time to get with the program and do the right thing be brave do something to quote from project veritas another statement there are several senators who agree with me we need everyone to get on board because this is too important too important so again uh yeah oh here's another one red states oh man she's she's on a roll right guys red states who have the fraud machines are making a huge mistake don't think elections won't go bad in your state. Look at what happened in Virginia and Colorado and now is happening to North Carolina. Fix it now by doing a forensic audit. That goes to having other states, not just the five most contentious states in the scam, uh, doing a forensic audit. I mean, I've been saying it since what? January 20th, maybe? No. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been saying actually since before that. All five, all 50 states, all 50 states were touched by fraud. Even the ones that won, even my state of Texas, we were all touched by fraud. It was just varying degrees of fraud. And they just really abused and over, over, overdid their fraud in the five most contentious states. But it was all 50 states, guys. All 50 states. 
Another tweet, there are those who defend election integrity and then there are those who steal elections. No one in between. Pick a side. Like, she's really going at it, guys. She's not going to let this. She's not going to drop this. Like, you could tell this was on her mind. And it should be. And it does. I mean, why are there not other elective representatives? This is what I was expecting out of Karen Fan, to be honest with you. But, uh, again, she may not be wanting to overshow her hand. She may not be wanting to show where they're going next with this. I want my country back. We have to we have to eject the fraud machines and we need to conduct forensic audits everywhere. They have been doing this to us a lot longer than we realize. By the way, what is up with Brett Beyer lying through his teeth? We need to run him out of the republic. They better not like try and throw like terrorism charges on her or anything like that or uh, I'm surprised she won't get kicked off Twitter for that statement. They'll be like, she's bullying him. She said his name in two tweets, and they weren't nice. President Trump quoted me twice in his latest statements about the Arizona audit. That should show people that what I am saying is exactly what he is thinking. Election integrity is the battle of the decade. Let's get it done. Excuse me, Red Bull. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what were those statements? We read the statements once. We'll read it again down here. He mentions her. The highly respected state senator, Wendy Rogers, said in a tweet, the hearing today means we must decertify the election. Arizona Senate hearings on the Maricopa County election audit is devastating news to the radical left Democrats and Biden administration. He goes on to explain exactly what happened that they showed. Again, here we go again. Fox News and other media outlets incorrectly cited with the outdated and terrible Maricopa County election board to report no fraud and found and, and no fraud found in the presidential election. Senator Wendy Rogers says, I have heard enough. It's time to decertify this election. Much to the credit of Wendy Rogers, she's truly fighting for us in the state of Arizona. All right. Oh, this is a quote by someone who is backing up. Now, this is a, this is a candidate uh, who's running for Senate in Arizona. Her name is Laverne Spicer. She says, Wendy Rogers has been leading this Arizona audit charge from day one. She has been fearless and stood strong in the face of all opposition. She took all the shots, and now she needs to take her victory lap. This woman was instrumental in saving democracy. Go, Wendy, go. Exactly, 100%. A hundred percent. So there you go, guys. That's, I mean, this was, this was a nice recovery for me today from yesterday's uh, Karen fan uh, ball drop. <laughs> Talk about the balls dropping. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Karen, no. Okay. So, all right. Enough about that. Let's move on to where are we going next? Ah, uh, let's talk about this man here. Who is this? Who's that man? Who's that man? Uh, this is a man by the name of Seth Keschel. Uh, so this is going to take us uh, 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 summarily from the state of Arizona to the state of Pennsylvania. All right. Now it's going on because, you know, there's still they, I mean, we know the fraud occurred. Everyone knows it's going, but they're still finding more and more evidence, more, more, uh, even data, data based goes to show. Now, this guy is a numbers guy. 
we were talking one time, well, it wasn't on this show, uh, about how um, uh, the bookies in Vegas all had their money on Trump. You know, so it's data and statistics, that kind of thing. Well, that's the kind of thing that this man does. Um, um, uh, Seth Keschel is a uh, army intelligence captain and a former baseball analyst. So baseball analyst, guys, he knows about numbers, right? And he had predicted that President Trump would win Pennsylvania by a 6 to 8% margin in 2020. And this was based on models and predictions that he had uh, used over a 75-year period for the state of Pennsylvania. Um, according to Seth Keschel, Republicans out-registered Democrats 21 to 1 from 2016 to 2020 during Trump's administration. Keschel also pointed that the predictive models in the state of Pennsylvania for the 2020 election showed several counties significantly and magically outperformed were outperformed for Joe Biden. Uh, the trend lines also pointed to huge Trump win and the recorded results were completely unrealistic. Seth Keschel, this is where he, this is where we get, we get Mr. Bannon. Uh, he was on Steve Bannon's war room yesterday where he was talking about that 21, I mean, sorry, that six to eight point margin victory for um, uh, President Trump that we did not see when Biden magically won everything. So let's go ahead and give that a quick listen. Here comes ladies and gentlemen. Victory in remember. Trump won. This is not to trigger the libs. This is not to own the libs. Trump won and he won in a landslide. Every hedge fund guy I've talked to from day one have said, even the guys that hate Trump and most of them hate him, say mathematically it was impossible for Biden to win. Now you got Seth Keschel in this America First audits, which were going the 3 November movement. We're going to get to the bottom of what happened in every state in this union. And it's not going to slow down Arizona. It's not going to slow down Georgia. It's not going to slow down Pennsylvania. It's not going to slow down any certification or decertification process. Captain Keschel, we got this four counties up. Back up what you mean by Trump won by 6 to 8% in, in Pennsylvania. Okay, so as Richard Barris has said before, coalition ships, this is the key in the industrial Midwest. So Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. You can see in 2008, that's the peak of the Democrats in the entire region. So this is Obama getting all the unions, all the soft Republicans. Here in these four counties, this is just a small sample to show you it's not only Philadelphia. These are counties, so York County went 4% more Republican registrations, Luzerne 8%. By the way, Luzerne has gone to the winner of Pennsylvania every election since 1936. Butler County, 4% more Republican, and Westmoreland, 10% more Republican. So you have a move away from Democrats beginning in 2012, but Romney did not attract the votes. But in 2016, when Trump came on board, you saw this with the registration shift. And again, it went 60 more counties were more Republican in registrations this year. Look at Trump's gains. Look at these trend lines. The dotted line, thanks to Mrs. K and her great PowerPoint skills, should be where Biden's vote totals go on the trend, which also matches with population growth, which isn't there, and registrations. With these four counties alone, based on Trump growth, which should have pulled from the other column in a declining state with a coalition shift, estimate on these four counties that there's 68,000 excess Biden votes just in these four in a state where Biden won it supposedly by 80,000.
this is why you see now uh, Mastriano and others are saying we've got to have a full forensic audit in Pennsylvania, and the subpoena is going to be flying. And I think Corman has got his back. Subpoenas will be flying in the next ten days, or it's the nineteenth by the thirty-first. Let's go to let's go to uh, Macomb County in in Michigan. Can we put Macomb County up, Denver? And uh, so, Seth, well, this chart's coming up. Tell us why Macomb County. Macomb County is the home of the Reagan Democrats. We won it in 2016. That's how we shifted the state. What's going on in Macomb County as you see it? So Macomb County requires a special model. Michigan doesn't have party ID, but the profile of the county matches those counties that I just showed you on Pennsylvania. Look at the reversal of that trend where you have a record Trump Republican vote gain of 40,000 votes. So last time when the county flipped, it went from a uh, it went from a 17,000 vote Democrat win for Obama's reelection to a 50,000 vote Republican win for Trump. He took he, he gained the exact same amount of new votes as the Democrats lost, which is a coalition shift in action in a county that's not growing four percent, basically childbirth. This year we have a 40,000 vote gain for Trump, which should correspond with a significant loss, not just a, a margin flatline, but a loss for the Democrats. And we have Biden with a 48,000 vote gain, which. Look at that dotted line, which means he's 70 to 90,000 votes higher in Macomb County than than any sort of reasonable estimate would expect. And a lot of people are only focusing on Wayne County. That's nonsense. These collar counties are ridden with fraud. Okay, uh, David, we're, we're punched for time, and we're going to have you guys back on. Uh, but I want more volunteers for this uh, for this America First audit. So, David Clements, how do people get there, and and what are you telling them to do? Get on Telegram. Use the search function, get to at America First Audits or at America First Audits chat. We'll direct you to your state. And basically the message here is we're gonna we're gonna present the case to the American people if the legislature and those folks won't. We're not asking for permission. We're gonna get out there and we're going to change the course of history. David Clements, uh, Captain Seth Keschel, you guys are heroes. Courage is contagious, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us here in the war room. Everybody go check out right now on Telegram these groups. We're going to need a million people to re-canvas this country. Okay, Trump won, and Trump won on a landslide. And I don't care if Media Matters melts down. I don't care if uh, MSNBC melts down. It's obvious, and we're going to get to the bottom in nothing. Nothing on this earth is going to stop us from getting to the bottom of what happened on November 3rd. We owe it to every generation that came before. That's right. We owe it to every generation now. Don't know what the rest of all that Mr. Bannon was going to be saying there, but clearly, guys, the fight is not over. Karen Fan will not show her hand, and that's perfectly all right. But God, don't leave us hanging like that. Okay. All right, guys, we only got two more stories and we'll wrap up the night for you all tonight here at the Sea Report. I hope you've been enjoying your time as I have been enjoying my time here with you all. A real quick thank you to Christina C for donating a can as well as just V for the can and 123SKG for donating the phone tonight. I caught you guys earlier who uh, donated this, so thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Looks like you all are having a fun time in chat. As Oh, I love it when you guys are having a fun time in chat. Um, okay, guys. All right. So who's this man? We got a lot of strange men on my... <laughs> we got a lot of strange men on my screen tonight. Uh, this is uh, Representative Steve Toth. Steve Toth. And he's actually a representative from the state of Texas. That's right. 
Now, uh, this man here, Steve Toth, announced on Monday that he is introducing a bill for a forensic audit of the most populous counties in the state of Texas. Yes, ma'am. So let it be said. So let it be done. Here is uh, his memorandum that he released. I guess it was uh, his press release. Let me go ahead and uh, align that for you guys and expand so you can see. It says, uh, well, I mean, let me do it bigger. It says, uh, Monday morning, State Representative Steve Toth, uh, that's Woodlands, that's the Houston area, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, announced that he had filed House Bill 241 to initiate a forensic audit of the 2020 general election. The Texas Voter Confidence Act authorizes the governor, lieutenant governor, and speaker of the House to select an independent third party to conduct the election audit. The forensic audit would focus on the votes cast in the 13 most populous counties in Texas, which include both Republican and Democrat strongholds. We need a forensic audit to uncover all the voter fraud, said Representative Toth. Prior to the special session, I met with constituents, constituents across District 15 in South Montgomery County. The Texas Voter Confidence Act is a product of those meetings and a direct request from the voters who sent me to Austin. Texans want to know more about the claims of voter fraud and deserve to have confidence in their elections. The Office of the Attorney General has prosecuted over 500 election fraud cases and is investigating 400 more. Voters want to know that their legal vote counts and matters. Representative Toth's legislation directs the uh, audit to begin by November 1, 2021 and completed by February 1, 2022. Gosh, like I hope that should be, I mean, cause that's getting pretty close to the 2022 uh, um, uh, primaries and stuff like that and everything that's going on. I mean, we have, we have state elections coming up in 2022. So uh, we need, yeah, we need to make sure that this is done before March. It has to be completed before March. Okay. It continues. Whoops. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Uh, Representative Toth's proposed bill is timely and necessary with a view to exposing any instances of fraud during the 2020 election and reassuring Texas voters that their votes were accurately counted, said Mark J. Keoff, county judge for Montgomery, Montgomery County. I fully support passage for this bill and look forward to the results of the audit. So we have a county judge on board with this also. Steve Toth is a small business owner representing South Montgomery County and the Texas House of Representatives. Representative Toth is a proven fiscal conservative serving on the powerful Appropriations Committee. He has been a contributor on Who Cares, Who Cares, Who Cares, Who Cares, Who Cares, OAN, Real America's Voice, and KTRH. Very, very cool. Okay, Mr. Toth, so we got your number. Okay, and then this is actually the body of the, of the bill, if you guys want to look at that real quick. Very short. This is what they're calling for, a bill to be entitled an act relating to the forensic audit of the 2020 election results in certain counties, be it enacted by the legislature of the state of Texas, uh, the forensic audit of the 2020 general election, um, the governor, lieutenant governor, and speaker of the House of Representatives shall appoint an independent third party to conduct a forensic audit of the general election to take place uh, that took place on November 3rd, 2020. The independent party, third party appointed under subsection A shall audit every precinct in each county with a population of 415,000 or more. The audit under this section must begin no later than November 1, 2021 and be completed not 
later than February 1, 2022, not later than March 1, 2022, the independent third party conducting the audit under this section shall submit a report to the governor, lieutenant governor, speaker of the House of Representatives, and each member of the legislature detailing any anomalies or discrepancies in voter data, ballot data, or tabulation. This chap chapter expires April 1, 2022. Okay, so all of this needs to be moved on by no late. So in other words, if the Dems want to keep skipping out on special sessions, <laughs> this might not go through. Oh my goodness. Okay, well we'll see. <laughs> well, they're gonna try and they're gonna try and push this and push this and push this. Uh, kind of just like uh, Brad Raffensperger pushed back his uh, his uh, election date so that they wouldn't have to clean out the voter rolls with that 45-day period that they had over there. God, the games that these people play. All right, well, according to this uh, audit, the counties in question would include Harris County, Dallas County, Bear County, Tarrant County, Collin County, Travis County, Denton County, Hidalgo County, Fort Bend County, El Paso County, Williamson County, Williamson County is the most evil county in America, Montgomery County, and Cameron County. So those are all of the counties where we would expect to see this audit forensically taking place. Ooh, that's going to be so exciting. If there's any way I can volunteer, sign me up. I'll be there, guys. Okay, it's not clear whether the Republican led Texas legislature has the appetite for such a sweeping audit, which would be one of the largest election reviews in United States history. So this is a story that we will most definitely follow. I'll probably talk a little bit about it again on Saturday's edition of Lone Star News. So don't forget, guys, if you are, if your heart's in Texas or if your body is too, make sure you join myself and the Texan on Saturday afternoon for Lone Star News, where we talk about Texas news and current events. Oh, my Lanta, what is that? All right, it's the last story for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's been a bit of monkey business here at the sea report tonight but now let's get a little monkey serious okay so all right so why do we have a why do we have an image of a macaque monkey on my screen uh okay well this is the macaque monkey are i saying that wrong is it macaque <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to call it a macaque. Uh, okay, so apparently um, um, a Beijing veterinarian has died from becoming infected by monkey bee virus. Monkey bee virus, which apparently can be transmitted to humans. So it's like, yeah, we had a uh, swine flu, bird flu. Now we have monkey flu coming out of China, right? The Now the thing about the macaque monkey virus, I mean, the monkey bee virus is that uh, there's only a 70 to 80%, wait, there's a 70 to 80% fatality rate. I was gonna say chance of surviving. There's only a 20 to 30% chance of surviving if you get infected with monkey herpes. Okay, why did I say that? Well, because that's kind of what this is called. Uh, let's see, um, the monkey bee virus, which is also known as herpes bee virus, has a fatality rate of 70 to 80%. Now, the person who has died from this, it's it's the first death reported from China, and this is considered a rare monkey virus, and it's, uh, you know, it's a virulent history. <laughs> um, it's been identified as a veterinarian in Beijing. Now, this individual died on May 27th, all but what, almost two months ago, and they're just talking about it now, uh, when he was infected by monkeys. Now, apparently this guy 
was doing an autopsy on two infected monkeys. And that's how he got sick. Um, let's see here. Uh, the report was published on July 17th, almost two months later, in the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention's English journal, China CDC Weekly. Um, it reported that the deceased close contact, uh, the deceased's close contacts were tested in April and were found to be free of the virus. Okay. So he contacted the monkeys in March. He died in May, I guess in April, they, you know, made contact with the people he makes contact with. According to United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, humans typically are infected with BV, the monkey bee virus, when bitten or scratched by an infected macaque monkey or have contact with a macaque's eyes, nose, or mouth. The CDC highlighted that there has only been one case of BV human-to-human -human transmission documented in its history. Okay. Uh, the diseased veterinarian was 53 years old. He worked for a non-human primate breeding and experimental institution. I don't like the way any of that sounds. On March 4th and March 6th, the veterinarian dissected two dead monkeys. One month after the dissections, the veterinarian experienced nausea and vomiting, followed by fever with neurological symptoms. Uh, because doctors in Beijing did not have any experience with BV infections, even though they're, you know, growing in their labs, probably, the veterinarian was asked to visit several hospitals uh, for treatment. And he wasn't diagnosed until April 17th when doctors collected cerebrospinal fluid and that of his two co-workers for the test for the monkey-related virus. The results showed that the veterinarian was infected Um uh, those who authored this report concluded that this implied that BV and monkeys might pose a potential zoonotic threat to the occupational workers, meaning, yes, an infected monkey can indeed infect a human being. Okay, let's hope that Fauci doesn't do any gain of function experimentation or funds it in China over monkey B herpes virus. Goodness. The first human infection was identified in 1932, and since then, only 50 cases of transmissions to humans have been reported. Of those infected, most had come into contact with a monkey, and 21 had died. So this earlier statement that says here, uh, oh, only, only once has there been a human-to-human -human case where someone does. So if you got it, if you got HB, if you got BV from a macaque monkey, only 21 have died, but in all of its history, only one person has died from human-to-human -human transmission. Good to know. Unless Dr. Fauci funds w uh, w the Wuhan lab over there, and they start doing gain-of-function on B-virus monkey herpes for human beings. I guess we're safe for now, right? But anyways, it was an interesting story. Uh, again, like this whole stuff... Uh, with uh, like this experimentation, gain of function, people experimenting on, on viruses and other uh, types of illnesses that come from creatures, trying to get them boosted up to where humans can get infected. That's bad enough. But the only other reason why I, th I saw this was also interesting articles because I could also share with you guys. Apparently, the macaque monkey is very popular for experimenting. 
when it comes to human genetics and human uh, human interchangeable diseases. Because back in April, it was the macaque monkey that scientists, again, in China, for some reason, were successful at combining human and monkey genes to make a human monkey embryo. Okay, this, this, this little booger here on the screen, this little booger, this macaque monkey. Okay, apparently they grew human macaque monkey embryos. This was reported back in April of this year that a team of scientists from the United States and China, of course, uh, developed embryos that were a mix of human and macaque monkey cells for the first time in history. The embryos, which were detailed in the scientific journal called Cell, were created for scientists to uncover new ways to produce organs for people who need transplants. And I have an issue with that as well, guys. Like, why on earth are we even going to assume that it's safe to get a human heart from a pig or a monkey? Like, it, it's... It, clearly makes absolutely no sense. I don't want anything in my body that was grown in anything that was not a human. Okay. And even then I might have an issue. Uh, according to the study, researchers injected 25 stem cells from humans known as induced pluripotent stem cells or ISP cells into embryos from the macaque monkeys. The scientists then grew a mix of embryos in test tubes for up to 20 days in order to study how the animal and human cells communicated with each other. The end result was that uh, the human cells grew, an, they grew 132 uh, of these embryos that were injected with human cells or these stem cells. Now, most of the most of the embryos died within uh, died before the duration of that 20 day experiment. And the ones that survived retained four to seven percent of the human cells. So had they allowed these things to birth? And of course, nothing in the article uh, denoted that they destroyed the uh, the remaining uh, egg uh, embryos. I believe that there were four or five of them that survived. If I remember correctly from another article I'd re read on the subject, there would have been a macaque monkey running around that was four to 7% human. Nonetheless, the scientists found that the research represented significant progress, even though most of them died. And at least they learned something in continuing to mess with God's creations and human and natural law. You know, like, what the heck is up with that? I don't know what these people... Oh, yeah, that was the graphic for the embryo and the human. And yeah, yeah, pretty cool, huh? Anyways, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of another C-Report. I hope you guys had a great time hanging out with me today. I hope it was a little bit more upbeat than it was yesterday. Yesterday was kind of like, Karen Fan! <laughs> God, Karen Fan, why'd you have to go and do that to me, Karen Fan? Okay, guys, great time tonight. Great time tonight. We will be back again tomorrow night, same time, same place, 7.30 p.m. Who's saying what we will talk about at that time? I don't even know myself just yet. I'll have to wait and see what the headlines say. Um, if not, I'll dig for some special stories to share with you all. Um, and I think that's pretty much all I got to say. Uh, once again, thank you to those who donated uh, gold pills tonight. We had Belushi, the Speak and Easy, uh, Deborah Erdman, 123SKG, Just V, and Christina C. Uh, let me go ahead and get this scratch off released for you guys before we hit the hay. 
Uh, let's see here. Oh, and by the way, Aurelius Locke, I tried to enter your Discord in, and it was not successful. So, um, here. I don't do this all the time. Don't share it with everyone now. That's my... Uh, write that down real quick. <laughs> now, guys, I have to know you to let you in. So if I don't know you, if I haven't seen you in chat, you're probably not going to get in. It's an exclusive... <laughs> It's an exclusive club, and we're not part of it. No, just kidding. Okay, it's gone. All right. Okay, guys. Sorry, that's so dumb. I'm so silly. Okay, let me try and get this uh, lotto released real quick. But yeah, no, I looked for you, Aurelius. I looked for you. Come on, come on. Oh, that works too. Okay, cool. Oh, Jukani, thank you for the cookie. Most appreciated. I'm going to scratch to scratch a scratch a scratch a scratch a. You're welcome to that booth. Good to see you in the audience tonight, ma'am. All right. Okay, cool, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll let that roll for a little bit longer to make sure you guys all have a chance to scratch. And uh, we will see you all soon, okay? All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. C for the C Report signing off. You guys have a great night and we will catch you again tomorrow.